Welcome back, everybody, into Bill's Chat, a pro football podcast. This is Josh. With me tonight, as always, is Luca. Luca, how's it going tonight? Doing good. Lots of travel in the personal life and everything like that. Uh, but it feels good to be sitting back down and recording for another Bill Chat episode. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, normally, we're here recording once a week. Luca and I talked early on Tuesday. We normally record on Tuesdays. Um, obviously, last weekend was when the situation happened at the Buffalo Tops grocery store on Jefferson Avenue. And um, just a couple days after that was when we were supposed to record. And we made the decision just to take a week off. I don't think either one of us were really in the mood to uh, joke about the bill schedule and talk about that kind of things. And certainly knowing who our audience is, we, we felt like maybe that wasn't something that anybody had the appetite to listen to at that particular time. So we took a break. We, uh, we took a step back. I did what a lot of you did, listened, um, just poured our hearts out to anybody and everybody that was affected by that, which spans the entire Buffalo community. Uh, Luca, as we got into on our first episode, um, you do live in Buffalo. I live in the Midwest. So you are around and in the Buffalo community. Um, what update can you give me on just what you're seeing walking the streets, the community, the morale? Just what, what do you have on that? Um, so it seems like it's dying down in the media when it comes to, you know, just tracking everything with this, but I will say, you know, in person, you know, around the communities, there is still a massive support system going on for that area and everyone affected and stuff. And that's just great to see. Um, it just really reassures what I love about this community, what I love about this area and it's the people. And, um, you know, things like that and the uh, absolutely heinous acts that would take place such as like that, you know, it can be, uh, there's hope that it can be moved past and hopefully move forward in a positive direction while also helping anyone affected by it. And it's not like it's just a one and done thing when it comes to people helping. You definitely see it, you know, and in, in active, pe- you know, people around supporting everyone involved and hopefully helping everyone get past it and it as best as they can. I mean, it's, it's so hard to do of course, but you know, there is hope moving, you know, moving forward that we will be able to move forward in a positive direction. And that's great to see with all the support that they're getting in that community. Yeah. You do love to hear that from the community support standpoint. And, And I definitely want to say that what the bills did this week what the bandits did this week, what the Sabres did this week, what the Bills legends did this week. It just made me so proud to see. Um, I think Josh Allen said it best. Like they're not going to go there and fix the issue, but just to put a smile on people's faces who hadn't been able to smile in a few days, you know, they just, they felt so violated. It was their community. It was people they knew. And in many cases, people that they loved um, that were just going to the grocery store and never came back. And to see Josh Allen and Diggs and McDermott and the Pagulas and, you know, the Sabres and the Bandits, um, you can say what you want to about anybody in that grouping. I know the Sabres haven't been great on the ice. I know people have thoughts about Sean McDermott for whatever reason. Um, They think that, you know, 13 seconds, but the leadership that he showed this week speaks volumes to the man. And I think he's an excellent coach. That's not the point of this conversation, though the leadership he continues to show in tough situations. I mean, he was the coach 
Um, Luke, I'm right on this, right? When the, um, when the comments happened about Kaepernick kneeling and, um, the president called, uh, all the players SOBs and there was a huge backlash. That was a McDermott 17, right? I believe you are correct with that. Yeah. I want to say it was 2017 with McDermott. Yes. And, you know, I mean, two very different situations, but you know, he's been put in some tough spots as a coach that you you don't necessarily think you're signing up for when you're signing up to be a pro football coach. And to me, he aces every test and hit the right note this week. Credit to the Pagulas for doing that. Credit to Diggs for coming out there. And I totally understand like athletes and celebrities showing up for a day or two is not going to fix the problem. But if they can put a smile on those people's faces, that's a win. Um, you know, unfortunately, before we started recording tonight on Tuesday, another incident happened in in Texas, and um, there were some first, second, and third graders that were murdered tonight or this this afternoon at school. And it, it's tough. I mean, I've talked about my family a little bit on this podcast. I have a daughter who's a first grader. I have a son who's a one year old. Luca, I know you're very involved. Uncle, um, so I mean, anything that ever happens to kids, I mean, it hits everybody personally. But you know, you and I both have reasons to like immediately take a step back and just put ourselves in that situation. And you just, you don't understand it. You you don't understand why, who, what, what could cause these things. I certainly don't have the answers. Um, I just hope that the people who are in um, position to have the answers come up with them soon, because this, this reality that we're living in right now, where it seems like every week, something else happens that is just one nightmare after the next has to change. And you know, guys, there's really no easy way to transition to a football conversation from that. Um, that is what we are going to do, though, uh, because we do take our role as, you know, the escape from reality that uh, sports are supposed to be serious. So as uncomfortable as it may be, we are going to transition into the football side of things while obviously continuing to keep anybody who was touched by either of the incidents of the past two weeks in our hearts and we are thinking about them all the time, and uh, we are hoping for better days ahead. Um, all right, Luca, again, no easy way to transition to it, but here we go. The Bills kicked off OTAs today, and attendance was pretty strong. A couple notable absences included Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Uh, from Micah Hyde's standpoint, he was on McAfee this week, and I got the impression that with him being in town for his charity softball game last week, uh, real quick, want to point out, Micah Hyde, awesome dude like last minute decided to give a bunch of the money from his softball game to the victims of the buffalo shooting um just tremendous by him tremendous um i got the feeling that maybe the traveling back for that was a reason why he was like okay i I did that last week i need to spend time with my family important to remember guys that guys and gals that this otas are voluntary um, Jordan Poyer, probably Luca is the big name that's not there. And we all kind of understand why, um, I, I don't think either one of us expected him to show up. Um, but are you at the point yet with Jordan Poyer where you're getting concerned? Not yet. I, it, I think the biggest thing to point out is what you said, voluntary, anything that is voluntary. If you have, um, something going on that is going to create conflict with being there and you don't feel that it's absolutely necessary for you to be there, then I don't care if you choose to take that other prerogative and just not show up for voluntary OTAs. I I don't think for a veteran player, especially it matters that much. Uh, The people such as Hyde and Poyer, 
what more are they needing to gain other than interacting with new teammates uh, from voluntary OTAs? I don't know, but they're going to be able to interact with those new teammates once it does become mandatory for off-season program workouts. And I, I think if we see Poyer not show up for the first mandatory thing in the off-season, when mandatory workouts come and he doesn't show, if he does not show up, that's where finally I think a small red flag, we'll call it, will be raised. And I know, sorry, I, I, I know that McDermott kind of touched on this when it was asked about it, and mm-hmm. he gave the phrase "business is business." I think people don't like that. I, I think people, I, I know from others that I've talked to, and this is kind of where it's coming from. Others I have talked to have already started to get, I don't want to say worried, but concerned or are thinking that Poyer could be moved, could be moved on, whatever it is. Like I know I have heard from an individual that they believe that the Bills could go as far as try to move Poyer instead of having to pay him. I think that's a little ludicrous. I think um, this is not exactly a situation in a team of which you want to do that. But I think business is business is very par for the course to me. It's it's just, yeah, it's it's voluntary. He's trying to get a contract. He's trying to get, you know, or I should say he's trying to get money. And why would you show up to something that's voluntary when you are just trying to make your point known that, hey, I I feel I deserve more and I'm not going to give you anything over the top until I get that. It makes sense. I mean, you wouldn't, I, or at least I will say this, I would not show up to my work or I will say when I am demanding a raise because I feel my market value is not being meant, met. And I will say this from prior experience as well. I tend to pull back what I provide until it becomes noteworthy to my employment of which then they meet my demands. That is kind of how the work world goes. And I think some people don't think that's how, you know, it's all about put in the work and you get paid. Sometimes you need to show just how valuable you are by not being there. That's kind of a thing that I believe some people may struggle with understanding, but it really is a reality. If you can show the value of yourself by not being available for certain things, all of a sudden, it almost makes you even more valuable. And you are noticed and you will get what you feel is rightly rightfully yours. And I think that's a big, big thing. And I think that's part of this Poyer situation. I could see all that. I, I To me, the idea that he could be traded, it's unrealistic almost from both ends. Because for one, for a team trading for Poyer, you're trading for a 31-year-old safety who is looking to get paid and obviously looking to get paid big because in a situation where he's traded because of money, he's choosing to leave a team that he's comfortable playing for, uh, that has a chance to win a championship. Clearly, it would be all about money. So how much of an asset are you going to give up for a 31-year-old player that wants to get really, really paid? I question if you would get anything substantial back for him. And then from the bill standpoint, what's your motivation to trade him unless the trade compensation is substantial? I mean, even if a team were to give like a day two pick, like a third round pick, This is a team that's in a championship window and you don't want to make moves short-sighted thinking like, okay, if somebody offered us good value for Poyer, that's good for our future. Do we just turn our nose to it because we're in a championship window? I wouldn't do that. But realistically speaking, would you rather have a third round pick in your pocket or an all pro safety on your team on the field? I think the bills would want that. To me, 
I agree with what Joe Biscali has been saying all along. I don't expect the Bills to extend him. I could be wrong. Um, I do think what they're going to do is try to just sweeten his deal this year. I'm looking at spot track right now. He makes 5.6 as a base salary. Um, you add up all the other bonuses going in there and his yearly cash is right about 7.176 million, you know, kick him a couple more million, get that thing a little closer to 10, get him into camp, get him happy. And then he probably knows that this is his last season in Buffalo, which is disappointing, but that's just business is business. And the bills are a excellent team, an excellent roster and have excellent players. And the reality of their situation is you cannot keep all of your players. And we have not had a lot of heartache of players leaving under being in McDermott yet. This one could be the first one and it's going to be tough, but you know, we've talked about it before. I am not necessarily in favor of giving Poyer any kind of extension, unless it's more of a cosmetic extension where it looks like you've extended him for three years, but really it's a, a deal you can get out of after the 23 season with minimal cap penalty. Um, if that's what he's looking for, great. But if he's truly looking for like the most money in his pocket possible, I'm not overly interested in that. For as excellent as he is, um, I think the money needs to be spent A, on offense and B, on younger players. Um, that's certainly a conversation we can get into as the months, or as, I guess as the weeks go by before the season starts. We'll see what happens there. Um, let's see who talked today. We had McDermott talking. We had Deion Dawkins talking, uh, Jordan Phillips, and then, of course, Josh Allen. Uh, Luca, we did learn last week that uh, Josh Allen, apparently, if he didn't become a professional football player, could have become a professional softball player. Absolute bomb. I love he turned away. And I think it was not even at its apex. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure. It kind of gets lost in the distance. But the walk off for the home run derby, just chef's kiss. Just beautiful. I know it's kind of old news at this point, but I can probably still watch it and just kind of get goosebumps watching it every time at this point. So I've been a little fascinated by the logistics of it, because when you look at some shots of the game, um, you know, they were what I'm I'm, I really should know this. It's what's the team's name they're playing at? Is it the Bisons? It is the Bisons. The Bisons. Okay, so. The field, they did not, like, they weren't just playing on the baseball field. They did what you see a lot of times in softball, and they had a manually constructed um, fence that was pulled much closer in to the diamond because it's a softball. These aren't baseball players. They're hitting a softball. It's more of a casual environment. So essentially, like, you hit a ball out to the middle of what the true outfield is, and it's probably going to go over that wall and be a home run. I saw a lot of people say, like, hey, that ball was going foul. I, for one, I don't think it was going foul. But I wonder if in the home run derby, if they were using like the wall for the out, the true outfield that the Bisons play at, or if they were using the, um, the made up wall for the actual game. No, they were, they were using the made, the softball wall. They were using, they were, okay. Yeah. They were not using the actual wall. No. Cause that would no. make a lot more sense why it went off Allen's bat. And then he just turned around. He's like, yeah, I, I know that's gone. Because he didn't even look at the ball. And it was one of the most impressive things in the world. I do think it cleared the actual wall um, in the stadium, but it was it was a moonshot. And it was cool to see. And I, I speaking of Poyer, I think Poyer was a little heartbroken because two years in a row, Josh Allen wins the home run derby and Jordan Poyer was drafted as a major league baseball player. So he's got to live with that. I'm sure he'll be okay, though. 
Um, other news to come out today from OTAs and not much. Um, there were some shots today of Von Miller working with Greg Rousseau and the other young defensive linemen. Uh, Jordan Phillips talked about it a little bit about how just how valuable it is to have someone like Von Miller in the room who not only just brings the impact of being a super high end pass rushing talent, but also has the pedigree to pass that knowledge on to younger players. And we know that the Bills roster has three very young, very highly drafted defensive ends, hoping that one or two of them can find a way to break out this year in Rousseau, Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa. And if any one of those can be a sponge to Von Miller and take some of the skills and uh, knowledge that he's, he's gained and pass it on to their own game, that would be a huge win. Luke, is there anything else from OTAs that you personally are looking for? Or are you much like me where it's just scroll through Twitter and just hope you don't see an injury? Scroll through Twitter. Hope I don't see an injury. Love the cute little videos like Josh Allen seeing digs and, you know, everything like that. Yeah, this is... This is not a time I take anything seriously. I, I, I do, you know, there was the fight. I don't even think you mentioned and stuff like that. And some people bring it up. I even think the people that bring that stuff up on Twitter don't fully care. It's just something that's at least noteworthy to then fill up a feed and just kind of get Bill's information out there. Right. I, I think this is a filler time of the mm-hmm. season. So it's something that we have that we can just use and scroll through and just hope to God there wasn't anything crazy. Like, you know, let's say like the Tariq Cohen Achilles bursting oh, workout video. How like, bad? Like oh, brutal. It, it like, that's the only thing I just want to make sure I don't see. That's it. That's, that's all I care about. As long as it's, you know, just fun videos of Von Miller showing all the D line kind of his tricks of the trade, which is exactly why you bring in a guy like that on top of his play itself. You know, it, it is what it is. And I'm just, you know, I'm kind of waiting for mini camp at this point. Yeah. And you know, the thing about getting excited about mini camp and OTAs and even to an extent training camp, although I say that now and I'll be a sucker for it when things happen is it's almost a drought bills mindset, right? Where, you know, in your back of your mind, even if you're being like, if you're trying to be the biggest homer, you can, the team's probably pretty average. And you're just like, I just want any positives I can pull from this. So it's like, oh my God, EJ Manuel today at OTAs went 11 for 14 and had a nice touchdown pass to Robert Woods down the post. And it's like, oh my God, EJ's finally turning the corner. Like we are not that team anymore. Like Josh Allen could have gone 0 for 20 today in passing periods. And I wouldn't have thought a second of it because I just know he's excellent and our offense is excellent. And I probably just would have thought, oh, he probably just showed up hungover. Like, that's what I would think. I wouldn't even think like, oh, man, Josh Allen's regressing. It's a different world we're in now to where it's just stay healthy. You know, come training camp, I'll certainly be listening to like, okay, how does Kair Elam look? Does James Cook sound as um, athletic and fast as he looked at Georgia when he's going up against NFL linebackers, particularly this defense that is just loaded with team speed? Um, you know, how does Khalil Shakir look? Things like that. Um, but overall to me, it's just don't have any of those injuries that you just wish you hadn't ended practice five minutes earlier before it happened, get through, survive to the next day. And as Sean McDermott likes to say, trust the process. All right, Luca, speaking of the process, let's trust our podcast process because we're going to do that tonight when we play a big three game that is going to be tied to the main subject of our show. Luca and I are going to be drafting our 
favorite Bills games this year. And we'll see who can put together the best list of big three games. I have a trivia question for Luca that I don't think he's going to get right. I really think you probably will get it right, but we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, But Luca, we have a schedule to look at. And I will tell you, we knew who the opponents were. We talked about it all in our last episode. We knew that there was a possibility they could start off with the Rams. We knew what it all was. And last week when we were talking, I was thinking, you know, this schedule doesn't look too bad. I don't know what happened, but when they put the games in order and put times next to them, I'm thinking, man, this schedule looks a lot harder than I thought. Do you, I, What were your initial impressions when you saw this schedule? Um, I guess at a very, very, very high level, we can start digging into like when they play prime time and, you know, obviously the first game is going to be very notable, but just on the outset, did you have any impressions when you first saw the schedule? So first impression, yes, I, I think, I think when you finally see it, as you put it in a list, right, you see it in order it all of a sudden you're going, Oh, wow open against the Rams. Then you have the Titans. A couple of weeks later, you got the Ravens. Let's not overlook the Dolphins, even though Allen's their daddy. You know, things like that. You're just like, man, that's the first six weeks. You got a lot of killers out there. Like, it's weird that what you consider the softest game in that first six is the Steelers. Who won home. in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, it is a weird kind of dynamic to the opening part of the schedule. I definitely think that was kind of noticed to me. But it's it's fitting because I just literally said this to one of my good friends about the bandits and everything like that because we were talking about, you know, not to get too off topic, but we were talking about who we'd rather like to play in the championship when it comes out of the West, whether it's Colorado or San Diego. And it used to be San Diego, but, you know, I don't know. They've kind of been really good defensively. And then I finally just wrapped up our conversation with you got to beat the best to be the best and fuck it. Let's just do this. Right. So. When I when I was kind of getting myself in that mindset with the Bill schedule of man, this is tough because you got the Rams, the Titans, Ravens in a couple of weeks, the Chiefs a couple of weeks after that, then after a bye, you got the Packers, all that kind of fun jazz, right? It's like we're the best, and if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and it's going to come out hot. That's all. And I think we, I or yourself or maybe both of us, even mentioned it in the last podcast. I like getting the bigger games early. I like getting the better teams early because. I have confidence that our offense, which has a lot of synergy at this point, you know, obviously there's an offensive coordinator change, but it I don't expect it to be like a drastic change. It's not like we brought someone in from outside the building. It's just a change because someone else got a different job and we just promoted within. So I expect it to kind of, you know, they got to get warmed up in the preseason, although Allen's hopefully taking almost zero snaps in the preseason. And then you, you kind of just got to feel into it. but hopefully maybe what two, three drives into the year against the Rams, you know, by mid second quarter, they're like, Oh yeah, this is what this is like. Right. Muscle muscle memory kicks in. It's like, that's, that's what I hope for for us. So when it comes to playing the Titans who are going to be without both the receivers they had last year or the Rams who got a couple new receivers in and, you know, or at least Allen Robinson in Robert Woods is gone and whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot of changes. I feel like with other teams comparative to ours, I like that. I want to play those teams early. So I was happy to see a lot of those games early, like all the divisional games, which are going to have to come at some point for the most part are in the second half of the season. I'm okay with that. And then you have other games like the bears in the second half of the season. I'm okay with that because 
I mean, if the Bears are a problem for us at any point in the season, we got serious problems ourselves. So I I think I took your kind of reaction initially, and then all of a sudden was just like, why am I getting caught in this thought? We're the betting Super Bowl favorites for a reason, and I just got to keep reminding myself that. And it's because we're a really good fucking team. And if we want to be the best, we got to beat the best. And why not just beat them early anyways when they're still trying to figure themselves out? I agree with everything you're saying. And I will say one more thing. When you look at the Bills last year, so you think about what they were coming off of. They were in the AFC title game. They were similar to this year, one of the betting favorites heading into the season. Um, They were flying high. They brought back almost the entire roster. And they come out, I want to say, eight or nine point favorite against the Steelers week one. And it takes them almost a quarter and a half to even look like they know what they're doing on offense. And when what happens is when you let a bad team hang around, you leave yourself open to a, oh, here's a blocked punt that goes against you. And, oh, here's a bobbled ball in the end zone that Deontay Johnson somehow catches. And look, you just lost to the Steelers in, in week one. I think that the fact that the Bills are opening with, if you don't want to say the hardest game, it's definitely a game that you can't overlook. It's going to be the first game of the year, national TV. The Rams are going to be getting their Super Bowl banner. It's going to be a Rams party. There is just no scenario where these Bills come into this game and they're sleepwalking. The Bills could get beat. They, they could easily get beat. The Rams are a good team. The Rams could just come out and beat the Bills. That's football. But what I'm not worried about is like a home game against the Miami Dolphins last year where it was halftime and you're like, why are we still really close to the Dolphins? And it wasn't like, I, I no disrespect to the Dolphins, but if you remember that game, it was just the Bills offense was just doing nothing in the first half. And then they finally woke up in the second half. I don't think that situation is going to happen. I think the Bills are going to come out and this is good for a team that had a super heartbreaking end of their season last year a team that probably feels like they should have won the Super Bowl last year, at least made it to the Super Bowl last year. And now you're looking at, okay, we're back to being zero and zero. We are the favorites in the league. Can we just get to the playoffs when it matters? We know we're good. We're going to win the regular season. And then you show up week one and an average team like Minnesota shows up and you're just kind of ready to sleepwalk and win the game and they beat you. That's not the case here. You have the Super Bowl champions on their field on national TV. There is no sleepwalking. If you get beat, you get beat. And I love that. I think you brought that point up on the podcast two weeks ago. And then to me, it's just kind of, I think the reason why it looks so tough is there are no layups in the first six, seven games. I kind of look at that bye week in week seven as like the first half of the season versus the second half. But even after the bye, you have Green Bay. But man, Luca, you saw at the Rams and then coming back from Monday Night Football against Tennessee Titans and then at Miami, at Baltimore, home versus Pittsburgh before a trip to Arrowhead to play Kansas City. Four road games, three road games. I'm sorry, two road games against teams that were in the playoffs last year. Another one against the Ravens who would have made the playoffs. Their entire team hadn't gotten hurt. And the Dolphins who were an eyelash away from making the playoffs and were still mathematically alive. I believe going into the last week, maybe the second to last week. Um, have to check that, but. They had a like, 1.1% chance. They, there was a scenario that got them in. It was very, very obscure though. And if I remember correctly, that one may, because that they kicked off at four and I think they may have been dead by the time they kicked off because then they started pounding the Patriots and it didn't matter. 
Uh, and then your home games are Tennessee, who was the one seed, and Pittsburgh, who was another playoff team last year, who won in Buffalo. So to me, it's just it's one of those things where I'm not sitting here telling you the Bills are going to go 0-6. Like I would be foolish to say that. But there's not that easy game in there where I think if you just took the Ravens game out and put a home game against the Jets, it would just it would just look a lot better. Like, okay, even if we start slow and we go one and two, we have that Jets game where we can just take a breather get ourselves together. Even if we win an ugly game, like get back on track and let's do it. Like there's not that game in that first six, even seven when you factor in green Bay. So I think that's why it looks inner, um, at least intimidating to me, but Luca, one other thing there's not up until, uh, let's take a look up until October 9th. There is not a one o'clock home game in Buffalo. There is a Monday night game in Buffalo then there's three road games. Then you have the home game against Pittsburgh, which is the one one o'clock game at home. Then you go on the road to Kansas City. Then you have your bye week Then you're back home on Monday night. Or I'm sorry, Sunday night against Green Bay. Then you're at the Jets. And then it's not until November 13th against the Minnesota Vikings at their home again at one o'clock in Buffalo. You've been to more Bills games in Buffalo than I have. What does that one o'clock game in Buffalo mean to the fans that go to those games? And what do you think the general feeling is about the lack of those in this schedule? There are a ton, and I mean a ton of fans that will tell you that October 9th, one o'clock home game, that is the best tailgate season. That is perfect. Early to mid-October, just when you have that crispness in the air, but it's still kind of like, you know, low 50s. So you're not freezing. It is. That is as a kid, I used to love those. I, I understood it was, it was almost like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how you describe it. It it was one of those ones, even growing up that when my parents had season tickets, like in a way it felt weird. I mean, obviously we had a lot more one o'clock home games in, in that era since we, it wasn't like we were finding ourselves on primetime games, but I, once in a while you'd see us on the four o'clock slot and it was awkward. It was just different. Like the one o'clock home slate just feels right. It just feels normal. Like it's routine. And in a way that there's a comfort in that, right? There's a comfort in the routine. And and then that you equate the time of year, October 9th, hell yeah. That is that is the best tailgate season. That's the best football weather there is in Buffalo, New York. I, I think um when the uh, I'm trying to think, one of the last Bills home games, regular season games, I should say, that I went to was Bills Cardinals all those years ago um, when Pat Pete had an absolute beautiful sideline pick on Tyrod Taylor. That was like late September. And it was, I remember thinking, ah, it's just a little too warm. Just, just a hint, just a hint too warm. But like it was still right in that prime time because then, as you mentioned, the next home one o'clock game is not until November 13th. That's when you start to get into the like freezing temperatures. And there's, hey, there are tons of fans out here that love those months too. And I, I get it, but I think you'd, if you had to take a poll on, you know, Hey, which week do you want is your favorite bills home game, you know, week slot. I would almost be certain that you would hear a lot of weeks five through seven, like a lot of it. That is prime prime. It is strange though, as you pointed, I mean, we only have two home games in total up until, you know, week seven by week. One of them's the Monday night, as you said, week two, and then you have. Pittsburgh at home is our first one o'clock. That's a very, very weird time to have our first one o'clock home game, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. Cause it, you ride the high of the wave of weeks one and two to go back into it real quick. You got your 
season kickoff, everyone in the world is watching you at that point. And it's in, you know, to touch on that real quick, that's kind of like, that's like the prove it. That's, that's the game where I feel like the bills are going to be so motivated going into because it's the, Hey, we're going to show the world that yes, what everyone's saying is true. We would have beaten the bricks off of the fucking Rams. If we were in that game, like the one thing I will say too, is what does Von Miller do? I don't want to see him like jog over and get a ring or whatever. You know, I don't want to see anything <laughs> like, I don't want to see him do anything with the Rams. Right. I, I want to see absolutely none of it. If I see any of that, I'm going to be mildly disappointed, but um, yeah. So like the early part of the season, there's a real high, right? You season kick off with the Rams. Then you open up at home week two uh, with Monday night game. And then you don't even get that regular Sunday feel until week three. It's kind of a weird, weird start. That's very unfamiliar territory for the Bills. Although hopefully we can get used to it moving forward. Um, but yeah, just a fast forwarding to that week five. Like that's that's a that's a home game that I know I know of a few people that have kind of like circled like because they can't make a Monday night game because of work obligations and stuff. So for some, that might even be the first home game of their season tickets. And it's like in a weird way, it's in October and yet it's going to be like kind of a home opener feel in a way. It's going to be wild, especially if they can really say those first four weeks, they go three and one, four and oh, holy shit. Boy, the Steelers are in trouble. Sorry, I was um, I'm actually looking to see and I am so bad at this. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out because I'm looking at that Tennessee Monday night game. And it starts at 6.15 because I'm thinking, okay, Monday night, it's going to be late. But that's – so 7 – I'm sorry, 7.15 um, <laughs> East Coast, yeah. But it's not daylight savings time yet if that's actually a couple months after that. So it's still going to be, I would think, somewhat light outside, nice weather. I'm thinking that parking lot's getting filled up with Bills fans, what, noon? Maybe even earlier? The Monday night game? Yeah, the home opener. Oh, no, no, no. Parking, parking lots uh, – I mean, I, yeah, I was going to say like, I mean, the RV lot will be full by Friday. Yeah. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of like the main lots or some of the big grass lots and stuff. Those will be filling up by like Saturday night. And then, yeah, like all the other lots will be full. Let's because you uh, people are going to take off the day. That's going to happen. That's kind of so, where I was going too. is I, I feel like that's, that's going to be a game that is almost going to have a Sunday afternoon feel to it because it's going to be a day off for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Like I, I have friends that, you know, they looked at the schedule. So, uh, shout out to my buddy Owen. He schedule comes out. I swear to God, it happens every year schedule comes out and he goes, all right, this is the away game I'm targeting. And also I'm probably going to ask off this day for this game happens every year. Like he's like, (laughs) Hey, I'm going to do this and this. It's like, all right. Like, so last year going into the schedule, he was like the away game I'm targeting is the saints. The only case scenario that would not work out for the Saints game is if it's Thanksgiving. Well, obviously, as we all know, that became the Thanksgiving game that made travel an absolute shit show for that. And ticket prices of everything and cost of everything just skyrocket. It's holiday. Everyone knows how traveling on a holiday is. It sucks. So instantly detoured to, hey, Tampa's the away game we're targeting. You know, like it happens every year. So I can't remember the away game he was targeting this year. But I know I heard from him and others that it's like, hey, we're just going to be asking off work on the 19th and we're probably going to be tailgating all day for that. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's home opener. You know, hopefully we come off a high after beating the bricks off of uh, the Rams. I'll say that one more time because it's going to happen. Get I ready for so. it. And yeah, you pound 
in front of the nation, the defending Super Bowl champs in their house, that Monday night game is going to be absolutely electric. That that game is going that they might actually break the stadium before they even have a new one yet. That that could be a problem. That that's how that's how much that house will be rocking. We need that stadium to uh, be standing up until at least you know February of twenty twenty five or whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, no, that's going to be, that's going to be a wild weekend. I'm going to avoid Orchard Park with anything work related that day. Like I'm not, traffic's probably going to be an absolute nightmare and I just don't want to even go around it because <laughs> I'll be depressed that I'm working that day. And then yeah. also just not wanting to be traveling around there. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. It's very, very different. I'm yeah, it's, it, it's exciting times. It's exciting times. That's all I'll say. It's such a weird change from where we were just a few short years ago where you look at the schedule and you start marking off wins and losses and it's like all right well we're losing the game in new england we're probably losing the time the patriots come here uh, we're, we'll probably split with the dolphins we'll probably sweep the jets so hopefully we go three and three in our division oh shoot we have a tough road game against green bay we're gonna lose that well you know you start going on the list these teams are better than us these teams aren't as good from, as us this schedule we start off with a road game against the super bowl champs and, and the bills are favored like I know the books are going back and forth. Some books had the Bills as a one point dog. Some books had them as a one point favorite. The line I've seen most recently is the Bills are favored. It's just wild that there is not one game on here that I think going into it, maybe outside of Arrowhead, just because I have PTSD about that play since the playoffs, thinking like that the Bills are going to lose. And I'm going to go into every game thinking they should win. Um, all right, Luca, let's talk quickly about just the the opener. That's that really is an honor for teams to play in. Obviously, you'd much rather be in the situation where you're the defending Super Bowl champions, and that's why you're in it. But they don't put the Jaguars in this opener. They always want to put a team that gets some lights or gets some eyeballs to the TV also. And I think we hit on some of the reasons last time we were on the air of why uh, teams like the Niners and the Raiders may may not make as much sense out of fear that the fan bases are going to fill that building. But the more time that has gone by since this schedule came out, the more and more I think that even though it's a cross country trip, I really think the mafia is going to fill that building up. I'm not saying it's going to be 50 50, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 40 60. I, um, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I think it will be 50 50. I think the one thing that's interesting about, uh, Buffalonians, I'll say. I don't even want to go as far as Bills fans, right? Just Buffalonians in general. Uh, they move everywhere. Just as much as they stay at home, they exist and move everywhere. When I went to school to Arizona State, I mean, it was funny. Like, I would run into people from Buffalo all the time. And it just makes you realize that Buffalo is a big place. It's the big, it's, I mean, it's the big little city. It's, it's really what it is. You, you don't realize how many people have roots to Buffalo until you actually go to like major destinations elsewhere, you know, when it comes to either retirement transplants or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you're in it. So in LA, I know there's a massive Bills backer bar in LA. I mean, it's not surprising. I'm sure there's backer bars for every team in LA. LA is Los Angeles at all. But I would be not surprised at all if it's 50-50 split. And I mean, you'll be hearing them a lot more later in the game when it's, you know, 34, 17, you know, <laughs> so confident. Oh, I, there is, uh, I can't wait till we do a prediction show later in the season. Like, yeah. well, oh my God, like, I can't tell you 
how confident I am that this Bills team overall will just absolutely exploit everything about the Rams. The Rams are, look, I respect the Rams. I respect Sean McVay. I respect everything they do. I love the aggressiveness of the organization when it comes to trading everything that they have when it comes to future assets to just have a win now mentality and try to capitalize on what they can do. I hate their owner with a passion, Stan Kroenke. He just ruins everything he touches, essentially. Yes, sir. But, but, but they're Fugazis. They are just, they are, they are the biggest fake team in the NFL. I, it blows. Look, I'm not saying this because of emotional reasons. It was so, part of the reason it was so frustrating watching them just absolutely manhandle the Cardinals beyond the fact that it was the Cardinals getting manhandled, manhandled is they didn't even have to try to do it because the Cardinals were just kicking their own ass. And what happens against the Rams, it's almost like what teams used to do to Belichick and Brady all the time. They just beat themselves. Like nothing about the Rams impresses me. Nothing. Matt Stafford makes the right decision. Luckily, he has a stronger arm to get it there more effectively than Jared Goff. Their defense is very good. Aaron Donald. uh, Okay, I will say that. Sorry. Aaron Donald is a problem. Aaron Donald actually is the only thing that impresses me. I can't not say he, I mean, he's Aaron Donald, but beyond Aaron Donald, that defense is the biggest. They are not as good as they put out statistically. I just don't, it blows my mind all the time. Like Jalen Ramsey, I'm sick of Jalen Ramsey hype. I hate it. I hate it. I cannot stand it. Watching DeAndre Hopkins just like beat him on routes all the time. And unfortunately, then Kyler puts it in the wrong spot or whoever's throwing it to him, put it in the wrong spot. It's just like, and Jalen's then able to just stretch and, you know, bat the ball away because it was put inside rather than just the wide open acres to, you know, the outside that DeAndre just gave him. Like it just blows my mind. Anyways, beyond that, I um very excited and honored. Did you also catch on Good Morning Football that um they had the schedule makers on like the day after? And they said that they, you know, when they ran, you know, the thousands upon thousands of schedules, they really were looking at Cowboys and Raiders as well for that. I didn't see that. No. Yeah. So the one guy did say they ran a lot with, um, yeah, I want to say, I mean, it's now I've obviously been a little bit, but it was, I believe the Cowboys and Raiders. And he was like, we easily could have put them there. They just liked how the schedule broke down, obviously, you know, because, when one domino falls, there's a bunch that fall, right? And uh, they just liked how this one fit better. I do think it's a little bit of, you know, fluff to say, oh, we try everything. Mm-hmm. Like they clearly try to like plug in certain things first and then work around it from there. That is like, you can't tell me that Chiefs, you know, middle first half of the season at four o'clock on CBS, like there was no way that was doing anything else. CBS was not letting that get away. And it was going to be early on because you don't want it potentially to like either be too important or just like risk an injury. Like you almost like you have to worry about injury, right? So you want to make sure that Allen or Mahomes are fine for that game. Hopefully by that point, neither of them are hurt. So it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to plug them there. Like I, 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 I really am confident thinking that that's kind of what they do. They have these certain matchups, certain games that they kind of just like it has to be there. So, but yeah. They talked about doing the Raiders or Cowboys. I would have been fascinated if it was Cowboys, just doing it back to back. Again, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, just the NFL owning up going, yeah, they're our biggest market. Everyone has a polarizing opinion. Let's do it. 
So the fact that the Bills got it over the Cowboys, it's a it's an honor. It really is. It's it's amazing. You know they want to, and then to bring it all the back home, and because I've been ranting like crazy here. Um, yeah, I I do think this is kind of a Bills prove it game. It's crazy to say it's the first game of the entire NFL league year, but I think this is them having the opportunity to show the world if we were in that game in February, it would have been over with a much, much different result. And that will be awesome because they want to know. And man, there's a part of it a little sting if they just go out there and manhandle the Rams and they, you know, they win something like 41 to 14 and they're just, I mean, you have to take into consideration that they didn't have Von Miller. Von Miller would have played for the Rams. That does count for something, but your point is well received. Like if they go out there and dominate them now, look, if it's the first step to winning their own Super Bowl, eventually we'll forget about 13 seconds, but it's interesting. Like the whole, the whole situation with the bills is interesting and talking about eyeballs on the bills. I'm going to divert from the schedule for a second. Um, I know you're familiar with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, and I know you're familiar with Skip Bayless's shtick where he basically, you know, he picks guys he's going to pick on and it's, you know, LeBron, you know, LeBron can win 17 championships and Skip Bayless will say, he's no Michael Jordan. He's, you know, he's overrated. And it's like, okay, just cause he's not Michael Jordan, you know, you, you, at some point you need to admit that he's great. Um, he does the same thing. I'm trying to think who he, he does it. Like he, he'll, he'll always defend, uh, Tom Brady, no matter what Tom Brady does. Um, he's got his guys. He defends, he's got his guys that he just has an agenda against. And no matter what happens, if the guys that he defends, do poorly, he will make up excuses till he's blue in the face. Luca, do you know who's one of his newest agenda guys are? Um, I tried to tone him out, to be honest. Well, I, you know, like, cause of his shticks, exactly as you put it. So I'm very curious to hear. Okay. Well, one of his newest agenda guys is QB one himself, Josh Allen. He came out this week or last week and said, Josh Allen's not that guy. In the clutch, he can't get it done. In what world <sighs> do you have to live in? Sorry, I, w- I had like unmute. I just took a gulp yeah. of water. Um, what? What, <laughs> yeah. what brings you to the conclusion that that is the case? I mean, the last time you saw him, the last play he made was a dime of a ball to go ahead in a football game with 13 seconds left. Mm-hmm in the playoffs with everything on the line and you go, yeah, he just can't do it in those big moments. What? Yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's why you shouldn't listen to those shows. It's good that they're talking about us. The reason I'm saying this, and I will get to this point eventually is that standalone game on Thursday night. If the bills were to go out and lay an egg, the whole world, including the skip Baylesses of this world will be like, I told you the bills are frauds. And that narrative that's been there that entire off season of, Oh, they're the next team. They're, they're the betting favorite. If they go out and, and lose to the Rams, and especially if they lose comfortably, it's going to flip like that. And it's going to be on Friday. Hey, maybe the Dolphins, like if the Dolphins win week one against, I think, the Patriots. Oh, hey, yeah. The Dolphins are going to take the division now. The Bills are frauds. And you know those national TV games, they shape the narrative. But yeah, I was thinking about this this week just to wrap up the point on Skip Bayless because it's just so absurd. Two of, two of the most epic losses... I want to say in Bill's recent history, but in NFL recent history were moments that should have been crowning Josh Allen moments. 
and the defense just threw up all over itself. One hits kind of close to home with you, the Hale Murray, where <laughs> Allen with one of the, I mean, and Allen, you know, for whatever it's worth, he did not have a great game against the Cardinals. He struggled. And to me, what was the most encouraging thing about that was to me, this was like, okay, it, it's been going pretty easy for Josh Allen this year. We're talking about 2020 where he's just coming out. He's on fire. Not a lot of adversity. He hit adversity in the Cardinal game. He had a couple interceptions, had some ball sail on him. And it's like, all right, let's see what he can do. Like when it's not easy and the chips are down and, and can he like reset and get everything back on the rails? And boy, did he ever with that throw to Diggs? Now that was a nasty route that Diggs ran, but that should have been a, what a play by Josh Allen moment that ended up being the epic Hale Murray. And then you fast forward to the chiefs game brings them down the field twice with the season on the line. And what I think gets lost in the fact on that Gabe Davis touchdown, the fourth Gabe Davis touchdown to take the lead with 13 seconds to go. Last time I'm going to mention 13 seconds on the show, I promise, um, to at least tonight, is the drive before. Fourth down, finds Gabe Davis in the end zone. A couple plays earlier, another fourth down. Spencer Brown gets cooked off the edge of the offensive line. And um, free rushers coming at Allen. I cannot remember who, which one it was for the uh, the Chiefs, but he has a clean shot on Allen, and Allen just evades him, runs around, and runs for a first down. And it's one of those plays where, like, okay, unless your quarterback can make this play, stop telling me that your quarterback's the next Josh Allen because the whole season is on the line. He has a clear rusher right at his face, Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram was the guy. And um, just makes him miss, runs for a first down, runs over a defender on the way to do it, ends up scoring a touchdown on that drive. I don't know how anybody at this point can honestly have anything negative to say about Josh Allen. Like, look, if you want to have a, is Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes conversation inside with Mahomes? Fine. I understand that. Um, But if you want to say that Josh Allen's not clutch and be on the same show where you still defend Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott, I don't understand how you can do that with any kind of objectivity, but that's neither here nor there. But the truth is that game is going to shape a lot of narrative. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey, Luca. Are you excited for at least a week, maybe an entire summer of, Hey, remember when Jalen Ramsey said Josh Allen was going to be a bust? No, I couldn't give a shit about that anymore. Like I bet you, if they ask Jalen Ramsey about that, his even his opinion has even changed. Like, and, and that'll show you just how much Josh Allen has improved. Like, I think Ramsey, if he if someone were to come back to him and address that, and this could definitely happen, by the way, because I'm sure media is going to try to stir up something for that game. Um, he is going to definitely flip his own script and be like, you know, hey, at that time maybe I thought that, but now Josh Allen is seen as that guy. Like it, it you can't if you're a DB facing a guy like Josh Allen, you cannot be running your mouth about, you know, a bad cold take you had years ago. That would be just asking for trouble. And if, if on top of it all, the one thing I will say Jalen Ramsey struggles with is elite route runners, just like any corner essentially. And you're going to be facing against one of the best route runners in the league and Stefan Diggs. So don't be running your mouth about QB one and 17 when you got Diggs to worry about in your own pocket on top of Josh Allen and everything he can do for you. So yeah, no, I'm, 
I, I couldn't give a shit about that take at this point. Like if anyone wants to rehash that and bring that back and bring it to, if Ramsey doubles down on it, mm-hmm. then I'll give a shit. If he somehow has the balls to really go, I still believe that to be the case. Mm-hmm. I would just be stunned. And I would be like, Oh boy. Like I'm hoping <laughs> for digs like 175 plus and just showing Ramsey exactly what it looks like to have 17 stuff it right over him all the time right around him all the and just last thing about the you know what pisses me off about the rams matchup too this Mm. should have been bill's cardinals in arizona this should have been and the cardinals absolutely choked it away and i got robbed of bill's cardinals in 2020 because of stupid covid and then i just and the hell murray on top of it all and then i got robbed of bill's cardinals again because the cardinals suck and couldn't got just beat the seahawks in the last game of the year like brutal it, yeah. Like it's, I I need to watch the Bills just absolutely pound the shit out of the Rams. <laughs> so for those not. for those who don't follow the day to day workings of the Cardinals, the scenario last year was if the Rams lose Week 17 to the Niners and the Cardinals win Week 17 against the Seahawks, who were just mailing it in at that point, the Cardinals would have won the division, and that Rams Cardinals game would have been in Arizona. The Rams were losing handily to the Niners, but unfortunately, as Luca just. Ranted about the Cardinals could not get the job done against the Seahawks. Now, I will say one last thing about the Rams. We don't want to make this a whole Rams podcast, but you made a point that they're, I think you said fraudulent or maybe not. Yeah, exactly. Like not the scariest Super Bowl champion you've seen. I think we both agree they have a lot of talent. I mean, they have the most talented player probably in the league. And I think you think they're more talented than I do. I think I'll be, I am very low on the Rams. You know what it is, I think. And, and, you know, once we get into our, our season previews and we're going to, you know, at some point this summer go division by division and, and we're going to really dive into the Rams and certainly game week, we're going to be able to tell you like the third string linebacker on the Rams, like what he, what his favorite hobbies are. But um, I think what it is when, when you look at teams at like a high level, you tend to look at the stars and you don't really look under the hood. So what's what's a good example of this like you remember the the calvin johnson lions and it was like man why do the lions never never do well they have a good quarterback with stafford they have calvin johnson uh they have a good running back as javid best they have golden tate like they have so much talent it's like yeah like you know the stars but you look under the hood they have the worst offensive line in football and the defense can't stop a nosebleed I think that's what happens with a team like the Rams. And maybe it's why my perception of them is higher. Now, in fairness to me, they did win the Super Bowl. But you look at it and you're like, man, Aaron Donald, best player in the league, maybe. Jalen Ramsey, still arguably the best cornerback in the league. Cooper Cup, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Sean McVay, arguably the best play caller in the league. Matt Stafford, uh, you know, top 10 quarterback on almost anybody's list. And it's like, that is a, that is a long list of talent. And then you start thinking like, man, they added Allen Robinson, but you're right. Like when you look under the hood of the Rams, there are some deficiencies there and you see them a lot more up close and personal than I certainly do from, you know, the games I watch where, you know, I watch the Rams more of just casually and you're more like focused on them, like two eyes focused on the TV because your Cardinals are in there. (laughs) So I will say this about the Rams. I think their path to the Super Bowl was kind of fluky. And I say that respectfully because they won the Super Bowl and my team has not done that yet. Our team has not done that yet. Um, But they won. They got a perfect matchup round one with a Cardinal team that just came out flat and couldn't block anybody. And then round two, they played the Bucks, who 
During the week, lost Tristan Wirth to injury. Had already lost Chris Godwin to injury. And I know the Rams have played well against the Bucks the last two years. They've won all three matchups against the Bucks, but I just feel like the Bucks came into that game so undermanned that the blocking that they weren't able to do against Von Miller and Aaron Donald just showed through. And then really they were an awful Jimmy G interception away from losing to the Niners. And, uh, you know, it's not like they blew out the Bengals in the Super Bowl. They kind you, of you, won four, well, they won three coin flips after, you know, pounding the Cardinals round one. Yeah. You know what they are? They are the Joe Flacco led Ravens. That is what they are. I'm, I'm dead serious when I say that too. I hope I hear laughter everywhere in the world. They are the Joe Flacco led Ravens. When that team won the Super Bowl, like it was just like, think about what their run was. Think about what they had to do to win it. Kind of got lucky in this second round of the playoffs on a fluke, hail, whatever, whatever bomb touchdown, whatever you want to call that touchdown. I mean, Peyton Manning, yeah, that's a heartbreaker for him. They, <laughs> I don't understand that, but they are the Joe Flacco Ravens that won the Super Bowl against the Niners. And uh, the funny part is you could go even further with those Ravens, of course, because I mean, they probably should have lost to the Niners until the mystery blackout happened. Or was it the other way around? Were they? I don't no, remember. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought so too. But anyways, like they are that though. And then going right into the next year, I mean, it's strong arm, strong arm quarterback who everyone kind of had in that top 10 category, although Joe Flacco then got paid and he stopped caring. But you had a couple good weapons here or there, a solid defense with a really good defensive line. But when you looked under the hood, as you put it, there were a lot of deficiencies. There were a lot of holes. There were a lot of things that could be exploited that then brought them back down to earth. And it's like, yeah, no, this team actually can't. Although on top of it all, they did lose Ray Lewis after that Super Bowl, but it, that's, that's a big loss. It's as if you lost Aaron Donald essentially, but um, he, he, they aren't losing Aaron Donald. So there's still going to be, you know, an absolute chaos on the defensive line. But I, I mean, I'll put it this way. I could see a world where the Rams are like a six seed this year. That's kind of where I put them. So if the Bills win this game by two scores or more, I am not surprised at all. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think these teams are very even. Um, and I think the quarterback advantage is with the Bills. All due respect to Stafford. I just think Allen can make more plays. I think to me, the quarterback advantage is with the Bills in almost every game they play outside of Mahomes. Okay, so we've spent a lot of time on the Rams. We know they go to the Rams and they come home for Tennessee uh, at Miami on September 25th. That game will certainly be interesting, and that is one that you know Dolphins fans have circled, very similar to how um, Bills fans used to circle those home Patriot games. Like That's their one benchmark where they're going to really see how they measure up. They're going to love those player interceptions on underthrows to Reek. Yeah, they're going to love it. <laughs> Tyreek Hill wide open down the field, and Jordan Poyer catches a punt. Um <laughs> I'm super excited about week four at Baltimore because what's interesting is it seems like we've gotten this Mahomes Allen rivalry where, you know, they've met now um, twice in the regular season. They've met twice in the playoffs. They had the epic shootout last year in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, that, that rivalry kind of speaks for itself at this point, but what we haven't really had yet is that epic Josh Allen Lamar Jackson game. They've played twice in two thousand. If you don't, if you don't count whatever that was in their rookie year, where they both weren't the starters and both came in and at halftime, like that does not count. Um, they they played in two thousand and nineteen when the Ravens ended up being the one seed, 
The Ravens came to Buffalo the week after the Bills beat Dallas on Thanksgiving and won a close game. Allen did not play well that game. Lamar played very well. And then they had, obviously, the very memorable division round playoff game in Buffalo in 2020. It was 2021, January, but the 2020 season, much known for the Taron Johnson interception, but the weather was very poor. Lamar Jackson actually got knocked out of that game. Neither quarterback played particularly well. I'm looking forward to that game because October 2nd, the weather should not be an issue, you hope. Like, come on, weather gods. Give us a Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen game. No rain, no wind. Just let these guys get out there and ball. I want to see it. To me, it's a rivalry that they both came in in the same class. They're obviously the two best quarterbacks from that class. And we've yet to have a classic matchup between those two, despite already having one playoff matchup between them. I'm ready for a little Bills Ravens action. I'm excited that it's in Baltimore. I want to see if if Allen can beat Lamar Jackson in his own house. Maybe I'm overrating Lamar Jackson at this point. I don't know how you feel about him, but that's one game I'm definitely interested in. No, I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm very intrigued by it. I'm I'm praying for the uh, for the good weather as well. I, I do think as long as it doesn't rain in Baltimore. I think we'll get that being it's October 2nd. So, of course, I don't think we'll be in cold weather by any means. Also, fun. It wasn't bad weather for the playoff game. It was just a typical January day in Buffalo. Let's not get crazy here. It was, yeah, it was cold, not overly cold or anything. I don't want to disrespect that January Buffalo weather. <laughs> but uh, so, no, but I'm excited for it. I, I think I would be very scared of Lamar this year. I would be very scared of Lamar this year from what it seems like and everything I was just, I had, and I don't normally watch these programs at all. I just had it on for some odd reason. I had NFL live on and it was at a part where they were discussing the Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, more specifically though, Lamar Jackson and Schefter was kind of talking about the contract situation uh, for anyone that's not aware, you know, he's going to be playing on his fifth year option unless a deal gets done. And it sounds like Lamar may, I mean, he's not going to be happy about it, but he's going to do it. And what that tells me about Lamar Jackson is one, he's exactly the kind of guy I think he is. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is he wants to play ball. Most importantly, he wants to play. And if he needs to play one more time to show everyone just who he is, how he is already a one-time league MVP, an absolute beast of a dual threat quarterback. You know, you can you can knock him for his passing and he definitely needs to work on that. And I know someone on that same program said, you know, you would like to see Lamar because he's not at OTAs right now. You would like to see him there so that he can work on his passing game because it clearly needs improvement. But with all that said, for how dangerous he is with his legs, that almost gives him more leeway for kind of not being as perfect passing. Because imagine if he had a like say at a top 12 quarterback arm say top let's say top 14 let's go let's go top 14 arm with the same exact mobility that he has he would probably be the best quarterback in the league he'd be illegal like, this. <laughs> yeah, like how would you stop him and just you, pretend like they had an offensive coordinator that knew how to drop a passing game yeah exactly right not only is there that but then yeah there's uh, greg roman still sitting there just you know run run screw you know streak run streak run 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 streak run like, what are we doing here? Um, so, uh, yeah, like I am very, very excited for this because a motivated Lamar Jackson, which is what I was getting at, a motivated Lamar Jackson in a good weather game, you would hope against obviously a motivated Josh Allen and the Bills team that is that could potentially 
have game of the year kind of, you know, feel to it. That could be a game that sneakily comes out of nowhere. It's a one o'clock game too. So of course it's just kind of like going to creep in there. But I mean, we could be sitting there at four o'clock and this could be like a 35, 35 game easily. Like Lamar could be running all over us while also dinking over passes. Although I will say they don't really have wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not, I'm not very scared of. So unless they're going, you know, four tight end sets for the entire game, I don't know what their plan is. So they, um, they lost Sammy Watkins, whatever that means. They lost Hollywood Brown and, you know, they still have Rashad Bateman. But to your point, like, what are they, what are they at the passing game outside of Mark Andrews and Bateman? But all of that aside, it's still scary to think about what Lamar can do. I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of Bills fans I know out there that kind of crap all over Lamar Jackson. And I just think that's a dangerous thing to do. I, Lamar Jackson won an MVP. That's not a fluke. There, there's nothing fluky about what he did, especially that year and what he has done in his career. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a problem. I think people like disrespect him. And yet I would hope that they still disrespect him because of respecting him. If that makes any sense. Like I, I hope it comes from respect because that is how good he is. That is how good he can be. For instance, this is a game too. like, let's say that 35, 35 happens. Allen and Lamar just going back and forth. Bill's defense doesn't really know what to do with this, like crazy triple option offense that apparently the Ravens are going to run on four tight end set, but um, <laughs> whatever's going on, right? It's 35, 35. Those kinds of games are happening. If those kinds of games are happening for Lamar and he hits the open market next year, he's going to be the highest played player in the NFL. Like, oh yeah unquestioned like he will he'll probably be like the first 600 million dollar contract in nfl history like it'll be something absolutely stupid like uh that is how good he is so yes i'm with you 100 percent. i love this ga- game i love this matchup i love everything about it i think it's awesome again that it's early in the year so for the bill's sake hopefully they're not clicking on all cylinders because if they are trying to run this you know whatever offense Greg Roman has schemed up with zero wide receivers. Um, if they're trying to run something, hopefully it's kind of uh, still in the process and the works uh, of being figured out because I would imagine the Ravens, as long as they stay healthy, because I think you brought it up earlier, they were very, very, very hurt last year and they still almost made the playoffs. By the way, they had, they had no Lamar for a month and they still almost made the playoffs. And no running backs and no secondary. It was crazy. Um, They are still a very, very, very good team. And if we had them, say, late November, early December, I would be even more scared. I would be, I would be, that would be a worrisome game. I'd probably be scared of this game if it was later in the year, more so than the Chiefs game. I'll be honest. I am scared of the Ravens. Great organizations and great teams, when they have a off year and a down season, generally bounce back very strong so that scares me yeah and it's funny because lamar jackson has won an mvp he's won rookie of the year he's made the playoffs three times in his career and he's been a one seed and it's still any place for an offensive coordinator that is almost universally thought of as somebody that holds him back and plays on a team that gets somewhat made fun of for not putting weapons around him and yet it still feels like the narrative on him is he has more to prove. I don't think that's entirely fair. 
Um, I, to me, the, the Bills fans versus the Ravens fans, Lamar versus Allen, is just so much about trying to, you know, point that, hey, I have the prettiest girl to dance. No, I have the prettiest girl to dance. Like, no. You both have excellent quarterbacks. Objectively, Josh Allen is better than Lamar Jackson right now. That doesn't mean Lamar Jackson can't get there. He was hurt last year. And Allen has since put together two seasons that were every bit as good as Lamar Jackson's MVP year. It just so happens that Aaron Rodgers had two seasons that were better. So I think I can recognize that Allen is excellent while also recognizing that the Ravens have an excellent quarterback in Jackson. I look forward to that game. All right, Luca, let's play a really quick game of would you take the first six games of the year? Rams, home Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens, home Steelers, at Chiefs. Would you take four and two? Uh, yes, I would take four and two. I think yeah, I would too. It, yeah, four four and two would be fine with me. Um, I I mean, you can always put the who did we lose to? Um, because like let's let's real 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 quick. Let's say we start out two and zero. Uh, start out three and zero, but then we lose back to back to the Ravens and Steelers. Okay, let's put it that way. But then win at the Chiefs. I am a confused satisfied. Yeah. But if you turn it and go uh, beat the Rams, beat the Titans, beat the Dolphins, lose to the Ravens, beat the Steelers, lose to the Chiefs, I'm uh, sad, but also understandable. Like it, it, It's definitely an interesting place, but four and two is definitely something I would be okay with. Um because as you've brought up many, many times, early season, anything can happen. Teams are trying to figure their th- themselves out. I hope that we're not trying to figure ourselves out more than the rest, but uh, you never n- really know. I would just say, do not lose to the Dolphins and do not lose to the Steelers. The other games, like, I mean, you can't lose the Titans either. I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, those are the three games. I'll, I'll stop there. Titans, Dolphins, Steelers. You cannot lose those games. If then from there you can win one, possibly two. Obviously, in your case, it would be one. Um, I would be one would be understandable. Two would be great. If we could just lose one of those games, I'd be ecstatic. Um, and then two of those, it's almost like an understandable. It's like okay, I mean. Those are tough games and they're all on the road. So, you know, it shit happens. That's kind of how I'd feel about it. If the Bills can find a way to start off five and one, you're going to have a hard time talking to me during the bye week where the conversation isn't about this team's going to be the one seed. Because you look at the games they would already have under their belt at the Rams, at the Dolphins, at the Ravens, at the Chiefs, home to the Titans, home to the Steelers. And they're done with all of those. And then after the bye, yes, they come home. They play Green Bay on Sunday night football. And that is a challenging game. After that Packers game, good luck finding a game. You think the Bills are the Bills have what you would look. They can realistically lose any game. We all sat through Jacksonville last year. Good luck finding a game on the schedule after the Green Bay game where you're going to go into that game thinking, man, I'm really nervous the Bills could lose this game up until the point where they go to Cincinnati on January 2nd. It's Jets, home to the Vikings, home to the Browns, at the Lions on Thanksgiving, at New England, that's tricky, home to the Jets, 
home to the Dolphins in December. Chef's kiss beautiful. Good luck, Fish. At the <laughs> Bears, who you've already made fun of, they might have the worst offense in the league. They're not and winning a game. I will say this. I think some things broke. You, don't, you say the Bears aren't going to win a game? The Bears will not win a game this year. Wow, that just slipped right past me. That's I, I We will come back to that if that does happen. Um, the Bengals game. So there's a lot that I think broke against the Bills in this particular schedule. Um, one, I kind of am like you. I'm not a huge believer in the Rams. So I think playing them the first game of the year, you're going to get their best shot. Where I think if you play them late in the year, maybe they'll have already started to be who they are. I That team just screams to me a team that's going to get caught up in the repeat and could just have a really hard time doing that. Um, I think Pittsburgh was kind of a tough draw because I think we're still too early for it to be Kenny Pickett. I think it'll be Trubisky, and I think that's better for the Steelers, worse for us. Not that either one of those guys are scary. Um, Let's see. Who who else? Tennessee. I don't think that they were ever going to bench Tannehill, but it certainly wouldn't be by week two for Malik Willis. Um, Cleveland, we, we missed that Deshaun Watson window. If you think he could even miss up to half the season, the Cleveland game's too late for that. One game that I think went in the bill's favor is the Bengal game. And hear me out. I am not convinced that the Bengals are as good as they looked last year. There's a lot of advanced metrics that tell you that they were kind of fraudulent and that they won a lot of games that were more like coin flip games where we look at the bills and it's like, they lost to the bucks. They lost that playoff game to the chiefs. They lost to the Titans. They lost to the Steelers on games that were like coin flip games. All the close games went against the bills. The Bengals were the direct opposite. They were winning the close games. They, if you go back to round one of the playoffs, they had the the Raiders on the doorstep of the end zone in round one in Cincinnati for beating them. So that's how close that game came to going against them. And to me, playing the Bengals week two or three when they're still flying high and we're we're coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and you know we're we're the cool fresh young team in the league. I think you're going to get their best shot. I think there's a very realistic possibility that by week 17, the Bengals are back to being a a mid-level, above-average team that maybe is hanging on for their playoff lives versus any kind of like front-running superstar face of the league team. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that with the Bengals. Um, I think the Bengals are really good. I, I think the Bengals are the team that I'm so happy to see organizations realize they have a massive problem somewhere, even when it was disguised with success and then address it immediately as best as they could. And of course I'm talking about their offensive line. Their offensive line was the problem if they had at least, let's say a top 20, yeah, top 20 offensive line, they probably win the super bowl. <laughs> like that's, that's how bad their offensive line was to be Frank. I mean, Joe Burrow basically got sacked out of a game until he still someone how won the game against Tennessee. That was like, amazing. It, it was just like, what are I, I couldn't even believe I was watching an NFL team or an NFL offensive line at points when it was Tennessee Cincinnati. But uh, I am with you that this game slid perfectly in the Bills favor. I think the AFC North is going to be an interesting division this year. Um, I don't think the Bengals repeat winning it. Um, I think the Ravens again, the motivated Lamar, like going back to that is just going to be scary, but 
the Bengals are going to be in the thick of a lot of things. And I think that division could come down to these last two. So the Bengals are going to be going all out for this. And I think this is a perfect spot for the Bills to kind of wrap up the season in a nice, beautiful bow. And this is probably where that one seed and where, you know, it's like, hey, we win this game. We're locked in the one and week 18 at home against New England does not fucking matter. Like we do not care. Uh, I don't even know who'd be starting at that point. You know, Matt Barkley, maybe even who knows Um, like that. I Monday night in Cincinnati, they need that to win the division, let's say. And then we just smack them around or whatever happens. I mean, it's going to be a good game. Their, their weapons are a serious problem. Jamar chase and everything like that, but they could get banged up too. I mean, what if the offensive line rebuild that they have didn't work out, right? I mean, that's entirely possible. What if their offensive line is still bad? Maybe it came down to coaching rather than personnel. Who knows? Um, And we're able to just dominate that game anyways. I think it's a great spot for a game like that, though. Like, the Bills could easily have the division, and they just kind of are like, hey, we're going for the one seed. If it's not working out, you already start, like, benching your your guys. You you potentially see that. I don't want to say that on a Monday night game, but um who knows who knows what's going on i think it's a great situation you're neutralizing the team with the weather potentially i mean cincinnati's a shitty place to play in the wintertime especially it's horrible it's absolutely like if i understand cincinnati correctly in that time of year it's just a wind shit show if i it like it's cold windy miserable just horrible i you know the midwest better than i do that, that's <laughs> just kind of the picture i get from there and like if there's one thing that can neutralize Cincinnati, ironically enough, and, and same goes for the bills, but I like our quarterback in that kind of condition way more than anyone else in the league. Absolutely. Uh, I would take our chances in that kind of environment over Joe Burrow. Also, I will say this. I think Joe Burrow's kind of almost overstepping his boundaries right now. Did you hear him on the full send podcast? Like saying he loves playing the Ravens cause they talk and you know, it, it's great for him and all that kind of crap stuff like that. And he was talking about how he basically beat the shit out of him last year. Did you hear any of that? No, I love it though. I I love. Okay. Let me also say, yes, I do love it. But I think someone else somewhere brought up a great point. It's like, did anyone notify him that they had practice squad DBs? Yeah. The game he threw 500 yards in. Did any, like he wasn't playing Marcus Peters. He wasn't playing Humphrey. Humphrey. He wasn't playing their good guys who are Hamilton wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's like, I think oh, that, you know, I'm not getting off Bill's topic too much here, but that Cincinnati Ravens game, whenever that is, I don't know their schedules uh, off the top of my head, but whenever that first one is, I could easily see the Ravens just beating the shit out of the the Bengals. And it's like a reality check. And all of a sudden Joe Burrow kind of has a downer. He's still going to be very good. I think Joe Burrow is a top eight, 10 quarterback, right? He's, he fits kind of really well in there and he's going to continue to get better. But this is a game where I think the Bills can show just who they are and how much better they are. Again, it's kind of a nice bookend. This could potentially be the bookend of the season, right? We open up against the Rams and show exactly what would have fucking happened if we were in that game. I'm, I'm letting it loose tonight with the language a bit. Um, show exactly what's up and show that we'd beat the shit out of the Rams in the Super Bowl. And then we can kind of finish off the year with our starters and just beat the shit out of the Bengals to show just exactly how we would have done that, even if even being in their house, and then would have gone on to do what we do week one. So, I, I love this game. I you know we might talk about it more later on and stuff like that. 
um, in it. But um, yeah, I think everything you said, that is the one game that I think fell in line perfectly because it's kind of like we're in full motion. We're going to be just like a well-oiled machine at that point. So perfect time to have a big AFC game to then just kind of, and it's a Monday night finale. There's something, I love Monday night finales. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge Monday night football guy. I like the Monday night finale every year. I think there's something about it. It's a little special. I think they, I think they care about that game a little bit more. So I think this will be a fun watch. And if the Bengals are as good as they were last year, that game could be super important. Like what if they're the two best teams in the AFC and the winner of that game gets the one seed. Um, it is interesting also that weeks week 18 Patriots game. I hope it doesn't matter. I would predict it probably doesn't matter for the division, but I would almost predict that I don't think the bills would have the one seed locked up to the point where they could just rest people week 17. I could be wrong, but I don't want that Patriots game to matter. They're going to be going on short rest against Belichick, who probably will have nothing to lose in that game. Maybe they're playing for their playoff lives. Who knows? And, you know, I, I don't want the Bills to have to win that game. I'd much rather them just donate it with Matt Barkley and be in a position where instead of being uh, 15 and two, they're 14 and three. I mean, that, you know, pie in the sky. That is what it is. Something else interesting about this Bills schedule um, they have a lot of extended rest games. Obviously week one, every team comes in with extended rest, but then going into week two, they have 11 days between Thursday night and then Monday night. They do have short rest going into Miami and then they come back. They have their bye week before green Bay. That's their third extended rest game. And then they play in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Both teams are going to be on short rest. So it's no advantage. Um, then the next week they play at new England, both teams are going to be on seven days rest because both teams play on Thanksgiving. And then the bills have another extended rest as they play the jets week 14 coming off of Thursday night against new England. They get 10 days off before the jets before getting another extended rest playing Saturday, December 24th against Chicago and not playing again until Monday, January 2nd against the Bengals. Um, that is a lot of extended rests between games, which I think is excellent. I mean, the downside is obviously some of those games that are on Monday, you're going to have short rest the next week. It probably balances out as the season goes on, but it seems like there's some times in there where McDermott can maybe build in some off days for some veteran players, <coughs> Von Miller players like that, maybe a Mitch Morse type, uh, Poyer Hyde, you know, it'd be nice. Um, especially when you look at after the bye week, cause they have an earlier bye week, week seven, they have some games in there where I don't think you'd be overly worried about it. Like you have that game against Cleveland, November 20th, and then you follow it up with Thanksgiving game against Detroit on November 24th. To me, that just is one of those things where if anybody gets banged up in the Cleveland game and they're like remotely iffy on playing against Detroit, man, you just say, Hey, this is a non-conference game. It's the damn lions. You Jordan Poyer, you tweaked your ankle against the Browns. You could probably play if, you know, if this was the playoffs, go ahead and sit down. We can probably beat the Lions with Jaquan Johnson at safety. Like that's to me the kind of stuff that McDermott can get creative with. We have not talked about the Thanksgiving thing. Uh, they do play the Lions on Thanksgiving. That game is kind of special to me because I think there is a at least better than average chance I can talk my wife into going there with my daughter. I've already looked at <laughs> ticket prices. I'm still working on that. Uh, but now the Bills have hit the trifecta. They've had the Dallas Cowboy Thanksgiving slot, which is obviously the premium Thanksgiving slot where everybody in the world is watching. They played primetime Sunday night or Thursday night against the Saints last year on NBC. 
And now they get the Lions game, which obviously is the third game. And it's not as exciting as playing the Cowboys or on the night slot, but it is still on Thanksgiving. You said you were in favor of it. I thought it is a game that kind of gets in the way on Thanksgiving, but you know, now they're here, all eyes on the Bills. And by the time it's time to eat Thanksgiving dinner, we'll all know if the Bills have won their week 12 game. Uh, you were excited, I assume, about the Bills playing Detroit on Thanksgiving? I actually wasn't. I, I was with you on the uh, inconvenient part of that whole. Like, I wanted them to play on the third. I wanted them to be back-to-back years of playing the night game. Like There was the speculation about them playing Ravens in this slot, which would have been amazing. But um, no, I. it is still fun. I, I do love playing Thanksgiving games. I think that's what you're thinking of. I love playing on Thanksgiving. I think it's it's just a lot of fun because of the family dynamic I brought up. Um, it's just, it kind of stinks because I have no idea what this means for the Turkey Bowl and seeing some of my buds in the morning like I do right. normally every year. Um, we'll see how that goes. I mean, when you pitch the idea out publicly that you're trying to convince your wife to go to Detroit for this, mm-hmm. it kind of got my gears turning like, well, Detroit's only a five hour drive from me. I could do that. Like, yeah, I just got to cut through Canada. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's a, it's an interesting game. I'm, I, I, it's, it's Detroit. So it's like, it's so funny. So Ah, who was I talking to? I'm trying to think on, on the fly here. I was talking to one of my buds. I was talking to someone about Detroit and, you know, Thanksgiving and, you know, how it would be to go there. Apparently Detroit doesn't even give a shit about this game. Like mm-hmm. uh, I have a couple friends that worked out in Detroit for a, a extended period of time and stuff. And they, they said that a lot of the locals, like it's not a thing. Like they just don't care. Some of them even don't even like it anymore, which brings the question that people ask all the time. And it's like, Hey, do we have to keep doing this traditional Detroit on Thanksgiving thing now? Cause Detroit's essentially a laughing stock at this point. Um, but, uh, I, it would be fun. It'd be fun to go. But at the same time, the biggest deterrent of me going is the fact that they're playing Detroit. Like I don't have interest to watch Detroit in any capacity. I mean, if this is like last year, last year's Detroit game um, was against the Raiders, but two years ago was right. I think last year was the Raiders, right? I'm almost positive. No, uh, Raiders were Cowboys last year. The Detroit was like the bears. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. It was another. Yes. You are absolutely right. The bears an absolute stinker. Um, But two years ago is the one I was really wanting to bring up. It was against the bucks and it was over by halfway through the second quarter. Like, I, I think Brady, like Bruce Arians wanted to bench Brady before halftime. And Brady's like, no, I got to get in there. And you like, I think he was actually worried about players bonuses. I Like, I think that discussion was being had on a Thanksgiving game. It was that far out of reach. Like he was trying to hit player bonuses in a Thanksgiving game. It was, it was something ridiculous like that. But anyways, um, I would fear for that because I have a pretty good feeling that that's exactly what this is going to be. This is going to be CBS and the NFL utilizing this game to not give a shit about the lions and just hopefully the bills just showcase exactly what they are and blow out the lions, you know, 59 to three, um, something uh, egregious like that. Um, but it would be fun. It'd be, it'd be a fun game to go to. I'm not trying to talk it down here because I know you're you're still, as you said, trying to figure out a way to finagle uh, the significant other in going yeah. and making a trip out of it. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it, it's definitely, I think Thanksgiving uh, football 
is good for the family. If if I had to sell it, I'd be like, it's a good thing to do for the family because I mean, the dinner and everything is nice, but football is what makes it whole. And then having the family around that on Thanksgiving, it's great. The Detroit game being in the afternoon time, you know, everyone can be awake. The kids can be awake. It's not inconveniencing anyone in regards to the time of day it's at. So I think that's the positive out of it. Like you can't enjoy the Thanksgiving Day game with your little ones when it's the night game because by the time it's kickoff, you're probably trying to, you know, either give them bath time or you need to even get them ready for bed at that point. Right. And that's kind of a bummer. So um I think for someone like you and, and other family men and stuff like that, I think it's great. Um, it's just a disappointment that it's against Detroit. And then in my personal thing, it's gonna cause a little scheduling and stuff. So it may like nix a lot of Thanksgiving traditions that I have and I'll just have to, you know, address those. But hey, I might be up for a five hour drive to Detroit. I never know. So for me, my wife's a teacher. And so being a teacher, you know, you only teach nine months out of the year, you have summers off, but the the downside is you don't really get to be like, Hey, I'm going to take a week off of work and go on vacation. Like that doesn't, that's not really a thing. You, you can get, take a few sick days here and there, but you don't get like normal vacation time. Like most of us who work 12 months of the year get. So the reason why this Detroit game works for us is she gets off the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then obviously Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which works out perfect for us is we don't have to take she doesn't have to take PTO for the game. And I think it's something to consider. Plus I'd want to bring my daughter to the game. She's seven. And I just have a feeling I could be wrong on this. I have a feeling that the Thanksgiving crowd is probably a little more family friendly, friendly than like a regular Sunday afternoon crowd. Like I think people probably are in a little bit better mood on Thanksgiving. That I might, maybe it's pie in the sky. Me just kind of thinking, hoping, talking myself Detroit, into it. So I don't know, but, <laughs> and I think to your point, um, I don't know that it's a big deal in Detroit. I, I could definitely, if the season goes the way I would predict it to, where the bills are very much contenders and Detroit's very much having another year where they just feel like the laughing stock. Um, I could see that being a total bills mafia scene in Detroit. Um, you know, it, I don't want to talk about the lions too much, but I feel what your friend was talking about in Detroit. Like I feel that like we went through some downtimes as Bills fans, the 17 year drought is obvious. You know, if, if there was like one game a year where it's like, Hey, every Halloween, the bills are going to play on Monday night football. And every year people are like, oh, here come the bills to ruin Halloween again. And then the bills lose by 30 to the Patriots. And then like the next year, the bills lose by 30 to the dolphins. And the next year they play close, but they lose by five to the jets. And it's just like, it becomes a national joke. I totally feel why you don't want your team in that scene. Like if, if you're bad, you don't want your team in the spotlight. You just want to like lay low, kind of like not exist. Let's, let's get better. And then we'll, we'll be up there. You don't want your, you don't want the light shine on how bad your team is. Um, so I, I get everything those Detroit fans are saying. And did you see the stat that Nino put in there about um, teams that have gone 30 years between when it was 20, 20 or 30 years between playoff wins. It was 20. Um, and Detroit has gone 30 years since their last playoff win, 2002 or 2022. So right now, and it's still going, their last playoff win was 1992. Prior to that, they hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years. So in the last 60 years, they've won one playoff game. If you think, That's, if you think we had it bad, try being a Lions fan. 
Oh my God. It's, it, it's so sad. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I don't want to shit on Lions fans. I don't want to shit on Detroit fans. I don't want to shit on the city of Detroit because there is nothing going right there. Like it, it's not like Cleveland where you can just be the butt end of a joke to us here in Buffalo. And I feel good about it because at least you've had some sort of glimmer of success at some point in your existence. Like what does Detroit have other than like the bad boys in the early nineties. And then they had like those random Pistons teams and then they had the Red Wings. Let me, let me preface that too. They did have the Red Wings. You know, I understand they won, but all of those things that have succeeded were also like 20 years ago essentially at this point the red wings were 2008 i want to say the pistons were 2000 i I hate the nba so uh, this is going to be tough for me but i want to say 2006 maybe 2005 they had that random team with wallace and stuff but anyways um yeah it's been it's been a long time since they've had any success and the lions especially yeah as you put it 30 years since a playoff win and then before then another 30 years why what is there to be excited about i mean you've had two i mean i don't even think it's questionably undoubtedly the two best players in your franchise history have retired early because they were just sick of playing for the lions essentially exactly and then stafford gets traded away and wins a ring right away and now there's a, a progressive commercial and they, but they were excited about that yeah that's the crazy thing detroit fans were excited for him and excited about that and were happy for him and there was no ill intent or ill will about it i don't think anywhere it was detroit fans acknowledged how Detroit in the city was holding him back and they were happy to see that it was proven that way in a single year like that's that's next level man that is just like oh my god you just you hate yourself and and I love Dan Campbell let me just put that out there again as Mm -hmm. you put it I don't want to talk too much about Detroit I love Dan Campbell I think when it comes to a bad organization with a history of suckage and everything that it comes with I think a guy like Dan Campbell, who is literally just driven on culture and trying to just do something in that mindset is perfect for a team in a city like that with a fan base like that, because you just want to bring something different. You're not trying to, you know, talk X's and O's and try to really hype up that you're going to be a great football team. You're just trying to be a team that, you know, the city can rally around and will be proud of every week what they put out there. And Dan Campbell's a perfect guy for that. So to to wrap up the Lions thing, like I don't want to hate on them because I I'm with you. I feel awful for them and I feel awful for that fan base. It, it, like I can't even fathom that kind of just I mean 60 years. 60 years and you watched one playoff win. That's just oh so so sad. And you know, hopefully it turns around maybe in the next 10 years, but let's all be honest here. It's I don't know. But um yeah, it's it's cool that we'll be going there. And I do feel bad that as you put it, you know, it's another team that's coming in and probably going to beat the bricks off. Ooh. You'd hope so. And I echo everything you're saying about Campbell. Cause we've been that team that's bad and you don't get your first, you know, you don't, as a fan, you don't get your first choice of head coach. You, you want Mike Shanahan, you get Chan Gailey, you know, you, you want Chip Kelly, who at the time was like the A-list coach. You get Doug Marone. Um, you want Jim Fossil and you get Mike Malarkey, you know, things like that. And we've been that team. And sometimes you just wonder like, does the coach even want to be there 
or did he just take the job because nobody else was going to hire him? He wants to be an NFL coach and like, Hey, I'll, I'll be an NFL coach if your team wants to hire me. And I think that's one reason why I was so excited about when Rex Ryan got hired, because it was like, man, this is a guy who has some cachet in this league and he's talking like he wants to be here. It turned out to a lot of, a lot of it be fake. I'm not saying Dan Campbell has that cachet. I'm not saying he has any like accomplishments in the league that Rex Ryan had when he was with the jets, but you can just tell by the way he's wired that it's important to him and getting the lions turned around is important to him. I remember, I think it was the Ravens game where Justin Tucker hit that record breaking field goal as the walk off. And he had tears in his eyes at the end because you could just tell how much it meant to him to try to get his team a win. And they lost. Um, I love Dan Campbell. He's an easy guy to root for. They are draft pick rich in the next couple drafts. So they have a chance to get the, the answer at quarterback whenever they do decide to move on from Jared Goff. And I know I'll be rooting for them. I, I never want to see bad, bad teams stay bad. Now, a lot of it is their own doing. Um, but I'd love to see the lions be good some days, hopefully just not on Thanksgiving, uh, this year. <laughs> All right. Well, if you think we've talked a lot about the schedule, we are not done yet because we are now going to transition into our big three game and we're going to draft our favorite games on the schedule. And obviously along with that, explain why they're our favorite games. So we have a lot more schedule conversation to go, but now it becomes a little bit competitive. And Luca, it's my turn to ask you the trivia question this week. Oh yeah. And you know what I think is interesting? Isn't it amazing that the bills played a playoff game recently? somewhat recently that is largely forgettable by most fans in the entire fan base, where if you ask them details about this playoff game, even the diehard of all diehard fans would be like, huh, I don't remember that. Or, you know, I don't really know. It's the game before the playoff game that wasn't even between the bills. It was between the Ravens and the Bengals that everybody remembers. But the playoff game between the Bills and the Jaguars in 2018 very much had a bowl game feel where the Bills were really just happy to be there. And we were certainly happy they were there. We partied all week, excited that they were there. Oh. And I will raise my hand and say I watched that game start to finish. I was obviously hoping the Bills would win. When they lost, I will tell you, I was not nearly as upset as I was at the end of the Texans game or the Chiefs game this year or I guess the Chiefs game last year, although the Chiefs game in 2020, it felt over by halftime. So by the time the fourth quarter's rolling around, you're kind of already like looking at your phone like, well, they were better than us. Um, so, you know, you can kind of cope with it. The Bills lost a one-score game to the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2018 to end their season. And while it was disappointing, the, the main thing was we finally ended the playoff drought, and this was not a championship team. But Luca, tonight I'm going to test your knowledge on your memory of that game that playoff game in that game, the bills had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players catch a pass. Can you name five of them? Oh, this is like, this is similar to like what I did to you. Uh, a couple. Yeah. I think it was the last question. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to let you name five, but I'm going to give you two strikes. So you, you're allowed to guess two that oh, are wow. wrong. That, Cause I, I think, there's going to be some guessing here. So if you oh, get God. one wrong, that's a strike. Strike three. Okay. You're up. All right. So catch a pass. So I'm going to take low hanging fruit first here. Let's go. LaShawn McCoy. Mm -hmm. uh, Deontay Thompson, I think was on that team and he was kind of like noteworthy. That's so a good I'll pull. Go that would have yeah. been a tougher one. I thought. 
Yeah. Um, based off of my question of us, we will go Charles Clay. Very good. Um, let's see. That was three. Um, I guess you would imagine Zay Jones didn't drop everything, so he's probably on there. You got four. Um, okay. I'm trying to like, I'm almost trying to like make it too hard on myself. Cause I, I think I can already do this. Cause like you could take another wide receiver here. That's noteworthy. And he was a biscuit away from being a tight end. Um, but I'm going to go with someone else just to make it fun. Let's go with the, let's go with Nick O'Leary. He's probably on there. Nick O'Leary is five. So to wrap it up, you've had, Sean McCoy, who led the way, six catches for 44 yards. What a different oh, life we mean. lived in. Oh, my God. Deontay Thompson, two catches for 23 yards. Okay, yeah. Um, Zay Jones, two catches for 20 yards. Charles Clay, three catches for 15 yards. What not a threat. Not exactly an explosive passing game that day. And then Nick O'Leary, two passes for two, 22 yards. LaShawn McCoy had an injured hamstring that game and still comes away with six catches. All right, well, there's three left. You already got the answer right. Do you want to see if you can just name them? Ooh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so now... They all had one catch apiece, by the way. <laughs> Makes it better because the first one I'd go, I would hope Kelvin Benjamin's on that. One I, catch for nine yards. Yeah, oh, Two Jesus. targets in the end zone on Jalen Ramsey on fade patterns that were just oh. atrocious. If I... Okay, I'm trying to think of this team here. Um, you would think of like a random fullback, but like... I'm trying to think like it would be like DeMarco, but I bet you he didn't catch anything. He probably got like targeted twice or once and just did not have it because it was probably like a dirted ball and then he dropped one. So that's interesting you say that. So DeMarco is listed on the site I'm listed as are looking at as zero for zero for zero yards, but it doesn't have targets on here. So I'm Mm. guessing the fact that he's listed means he was targeted and it was incomplete. Okay. Wow, man. I, I might remember this game better than I thought. Like I thought, um, was Logan Thomas on that team? Logan Thomas was on that team. Oh, is he on there? One catch for five <laughs> yards. So if I'm doing my math right, I'm missing one. Mm-hmm. Man, that's it's, it's got to be like a super depth receiver or like some other random bum. Ooh, random bum. Uh, Mike Tolbert. You got it. You got them oh all. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like literally as soon as I said random bum, I was like, wait, I know that year he was still on that roster. <laughs> He's the guy who replaced Booby Dixon and wasn't as good as Booby Dixon. Man, you got them all. That's amazing. Oh, and you yeah. even nailed Pat Ooh. DeMarco not having a catch, but having a target. Well, it's, so it's funny because DeMarco, I think then two years later was the one who dropped that, why, why he was the guy down the field anyways, wasn't DeMarco the one that dropped it? Because that's all I picture is the Texans game. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I love, I love me some Josh Allen, but I think calling (laughs) that a drop on Patrick DeMarco is a little friendly to Josh Allen. I know. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just saying a targeted, he was being targeted downfield. And it's like, why is Pat, the questions that immediately hit your head, why is Patrick DeMarco Mm -hmm. there? He's wide open. God damn it. Why can't he catch that ball? <laughs> and the emotions of that play, because oh, yeah. any you know how you do it as a football fan. We're in overtime and your quarterback winds up and throws it deep. And your first thought is, <laughs> what's he got? And you're just super excited to see the camera pan. And you see this white guy down there and you have 10 seconds to cycle players through your head. And you're like, white guy, uh, it's not Beasley. He's too big to be Beasley. And that doesn't look like Knox. <laughs> 
is that Lee Smith? And then like, oh and then it's God. just like, wait, who is that? <laughs> and then the announcer says Pat DeMarco. And you just kind of look around and you're like, why? <laughs> like you knew who Pat DeMarco was, but at no point in time oh, during the play, are you thinking he's an eligible receiver? They're targeting 50 yards downfield <laughs> with two Texans on him. Oh man. So funny. Yeah. To wow. DeMarco's I'm- credit though, he tried to go up and get it, which he did respect. Yeah, he he really did. Like he tried. I mean, Pat DeMarco is not a guy I am expecting to even try to go up and snatch anything. Mm-hmm. That is not his job. It's never been his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game okay. still pisses me off. I can finally watch the end though. I I can't. What I can't do is I can't watch the Texans' last drive. I still can't watch the Deshaun Jackson watch Deshaun Deshaun Watson play. Yeah, yeah. You can't watch the Superman moment. And I have gotten to the point where I can watch the Bills final drives against Kansas city. I can't, I can't watch. I still can't watch the end. I I have never ever once watched back overtime. I have gone back and watched the 13th. I said, I wasn't going to bring it up the last drive and just to kind of see what went wrong. Um, but I, um, there's, I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch overtime against Casey, but I was so checked out at that point. Like, I don't know about you and when you get into this, but like by the time overtime got there, it was just like, and they lost the toss. It was just like, it's over. Like I know the game's still going on, but it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it, it's happening. Like it, it's happening. Like it was just, I've, uh, yeah, we don't have to get into it too much, but yeah, it was, I remember Nino sitting on the futon in our basement in their buds basement, like hands on his head. Like what the hell is going on? And I like, I stand when we like, when we're over at his, the, this one friend's house, I'm standing the whole time. Like I can't, I can't sit down. I can't, whatever. I even sat down. It was just like, uh, yep. This like, I remember looking at Nino and going, it can't happen. It, this won't happen after the first catch. Mm-hmm. And then the second catch happened and it was like, holy shit, please miss this kick. Like, th- please do not let this happen. As soon as that kick went through, it was like, yep, this is yeah. happening. I I'll be honest okay. with myself. Everybody wants to focus on the coin toss. I felt like once the kick was made, I just felt like I felt so defeated that even if the bills had won the toss, I probably, my mind was thinking that they were still going to find a way to lose. Like the fact that that 13 seconds went by and yeah, that whole sequence there. And maybe it's therapeutic for people to go through this again. Like I watched the games by myself in my basement. It's like my own thing. Um, and my wife, you know, she, the kids were asleep at this point. She was watching upstairs and she, she came down cause I was like a few minutes behind cause I had paused the game to switch laundry around and I didn't want to fast forward. So I was, I was cool with it because I knew like the next commercial break I was going to catch up. And so I was, I ended up being like 30 seconds behind on the first Gabe Davis touchdown. The, no, the third Gabe Davis touchdown, which took the lead initially with like two minutes left. And she oh, comes geez. running downstairs as the ball's in the air on my TV. She's like, they did it. And then she ended up watching the end with me. And it's like, we went from just jumping on the couches and rolling around on the ground and screaming, Josh Allen is a goddamn hero to just like, she's based, I'm sitting there and she's like holding my hand. And she's sad too. She's a Bills fan too. And I just told her, I was like, it's like watching someone you love die and you can't do anything to save them like in overtime. And that's obviously maybe, maybe not the best thing to say this week. Um, But you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, in as far as sports goes, like watching your team season come to an end and realistically speaking, they still could have gotten a stop. They still could have stopped the chiefs. They could have held them to a field goal, got the ball back. And it's just like, when you know, you know, one last thing about this bills Jaguars game, Luca, do you want to take a stab 
at oh Tyrod God. Taylor's passing numbers that game. Oh, geez. Uh, okay, so I'm going to actually try to think this through. Um, you, uh, what was it? Shady had six catches. Deonta had two. It was like, yeah, it was like three players with two. Well, Charles Clay was useless, but I think he had a few catches himself, and then it was a bunch of ones. So if math puts it right, that would be like like 16 or 17 catches or receptions. Yeah, completions. Uh, let's say, I mean, it would probably be like 25 passes. Yeah, I have no idea the attempts, but okay, let's say seven. Yeah, let's say 17 yeah, 17 completions, 25 attempts, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, 130 yards, and obviously there was no touchdown. Maybe he threw a desperate pick at the end. I don't know. Let, You're yeah, very close. You're very close. So he had 134 yards. He threw a pick, okay. but it wasn't at the end. Amazingly oh, really? enough, Peterman came in and threw a pick to end the game because Tyra Taylor got knocked out of the game. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. That damn Jalen Ramsey. Um, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor, 17 of 37. Wow, he had 37 pass attempts. 37 that's pass actually, attempts. That's honestly what surprises me, because I would imagine Shady probably had 20 carries himself. I would have to. Think. He was at, he was at 19 for 75 yeah. yards. Taylor had seven carries for 27, and uh, 17 of 37. 37 passing attempts for 134 yards Man, and no he touchdowns. He only scored three points with over 60 snaps. Yep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I know you remember the the play down by the end zone that where Calais Campbell just tackles Tyrod Taylor in the open field. Taylor, Taylor should have just waltzed in for the end zone. I feel very confident in saying Josh Allen would have gotten in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. The only reason I know this is just because I love knowing random tight ends in the NFL history. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have it in front of you, but. Who do you remember the guy that caught the only touchdown in that game? I do because I'm looking at the box score. But if <sighs> if you had told me who caught the touchdown for the Jaguars, I would have remembered it was a backup tight end that it wasn't oh, Mercedes yeah. Lewis. But I would not have been able to pick his name out. But I'm looking at the box score; I can see it right in front of me. Oh yeah, Ben Koyak, one yard. Oh yeah, one reception for one yard for one touchdown, <laughs> and it was on fourth down. Hell yeah. Just like my boy, Joe Kloppenstein. It's one of those guys, just legends. I love to know those random, like third string tight ends. I do not know why I've just always had an affinity for him. And it all stems from Joe Kloppenstein. So we've been rambling forever. Here. Blake so Bortles I'm, I'm, had 10 carries for 88 yards. I forgot that. I'm sorry. Yeah he, was, yeah. he was the leading rusher in the game. More rushing yards than passing yards. He was 10 <laughs> for 20, 10 of 23 for 87. Okay. Do you want to go first or second? Um, I'll go second and two. You go first. <clears throat> All right. Well, there's a lot of good games to choose from. We're going to obviously pick six of them. Um, but I'm going to start off with where the season starts off with the Rams. And because to me, one, it's a game that many of us feel like should have been the Super Bowl. Two, it is a spot that as the Bills have gotten good over these last few years, they have played on Sunday night football. They played on Monday night football. They played in big spots in the playoffs. They played under the lights of Jerry world on Thanksgiving. They've played the night game on Thanksgiving, but the one thing they haven't done outside of playing in a Super Bowl is play in the league opener. This is an eyeball spot. It's a fishbowl spot and the bills are in that spot. Uh, everybody's going to be 
fiending for football. And the first game of the year is going to feature our Buffalo Bills going to play the Los Angeles Rams. I love this game. I don't think it's going to be as easy as Luca thinks it's going to be. To me, it's a coin flip of a game. I definitely think the Bills can win. I'm not overly confident that they will, but I think they're going to be right there in the game. Um, obviously we have a lot of time between now and then to dissect things. Injuries I'm sure will pop up at some point for both teams. Um, but to me, it's just such a cool spot for our team to be in. And one of those reminders that we just keep getting that these are not our Buffalo bills of 15 years ago. This is a premier team in the league. They are a team that networks want and they're a team that the league recognizes brings eyeballs to the screen because it's not just about being good. Think about those Jacksonville Jaguars that we just got done talking about that beat us in the playoffs and went on to be in the AFC championship game and lose to New England. They had all kinds of talent on that team. They had Jalen Ramsey, Allen Robinson, Miles Jack, Calais Campbell, and they ended up were they in the Thursday night opener? No, they opened up at home. I want to say against maybe new England or Kansas city in, in a game that was hidden on the screen. And nobody even knew that game was even being played. So the bills are an important team and they are a team. The public cares about. And the fact that they get to open up the season for the entire league against the Rams and have a chance to do something that I believe only two teams in history have done since this this thing became a reality of the Super Bowl champion opening up the season, and that is defeat the Super Bowl champions in the league opener. Other teams to do it were the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants and the Baltimore Ravens that Luca referenced earlier, another, another nice little uh, parallel between these teams, uh, that the Denver Broncos just beat the pants off of them um, in the opener. But that game was actually in Denver because – the Baltimore Orioles would not give up a home game to allow the Ravens to have their, their game um, on that Thursday. So they had to move that game to Denver. And I think that game actually got moved to Wednesday because of an election or something going on. But so that's a little bit of an asterisk. Uh, the bills have a chance to uh, be one of the few in NFL history to win on the road in that opener. I love the spot, love the challenge for the team and I'm excited for it. So that's why it's my first pick. Yeah. It's the most unique game on the schedule easily so and it's first all eyes every point you said yep absolutely i mean it, it, what else more needs to be said about it it's the season can't get here soon enough for us to win 31 to 17 um okay <laughs> so my first pick in this and, and this is I've, i was thinking about it because i have a couple options here but I'm going to go with week 17 Monday night football at the Bengals. And I really do believe, and I had it in my notes here going, this game feels like it's falling under the radar for a lot of people that look over the bill schedule. And I know we talked about it and I kind of was like, you know, teeter tottering on, you know, what the Bengals are as a team, but you brought it up. And I think it was an excellent, excellent point. This game could have massive implications for the conference. Both teams could are could and probably will be trying to lock up their divisions, but this game could easily also being that it is the Bengals, the defending AFC champs could be for conference and seeding. Like this could be a legitimate like winner gets the one, loser gets probably the three, right? It could be something of that, you know, severity. And on top of it all, 
I, I mentioned it and my trend is always going to be this way and it will forever be this way. It's quarterback matchups. That's what I look at when I look at schedules and Burrow versus Allen. Now with Burrow being a well-established figure in the public, Allen's a well-established figure in the public. They're both viewed as young, up-and-coming, elite quarterbacks. Allen, much more elite than Burrow. Um, it's It's got everything you want. I mean, it's going to be Monday night, just it's the it's the finale of monday night which again i mentioned it before i just feel like espn cares about it more every year and and it's i don't think every year it's been a great matchup to be honest but it seems like the production is there they care about it more this is obviously a year where we're going to get troy aikman and joe buck going at it um in the booth and they're going to be able to book at you know finish off their year with this game and i'm I'm very much looking forward to this game. I th- I think this is kind of sneakily potentially one of the best games of the year. I know I mentioned the Ravens game earlier on um, has game of the year, impl- you know, potential to it. This is another one just like it. I, you know, this is, it, could you imagine an absolute like last second winner either side on Monday night as both teams are well-oiled machines going into the playoffs because you would assume both these teams should be going into the playoffs. You know, this could be a very, very, very fun game. I think also, and I I don't think you brought this up uh, earlier. I think the thing that makes this game being when it is on Monday night almost makes it more fun rather than serious. And, And what I mean by that is, yes, it's got massive implications potentially, and it could be for the one seed and all that kind of stuff. But even if the Bills lose at Cincinnati on Monday night in January, I don't think I'd be that overly upset about it because realistically, the Bills are going to be, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm very, very high on the Bills, obviously, but I think they're no worse than a four-loss team. If this is their fourth loss of the year, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, this that's the one that broke us and we're probably not going to be able to recover. Like It'll just be like, a, hey, they lost a very tough game on the road in primetime at a very good team's place. Like It happens, right? If there was a time to lose in a situation like that, it's then and not two weeks later or three weeks later, whatever it may be. So um, that is going to be my first pick because it, I just, I'm very, very excited for that game. That That might be, you know, that might be the game I'm most excited for this year. I'll, I'll be honest. I might have even taken that over the Rams game if it wasn't for how great it is for the season to kick off, just for football in general. That would have probably been my first pick. Yeah, and may, maybe what you're describing for the Bengals game is a parallel to the game you attended last year in Tampa Bay, where if the Bills were to lose, it's like okay, they lost. That sucks, but maybe it's a loss that springboards them. And gets them turned around. It's hard to imagine them not being pointed in the right direction when the when four out of the five games prior to that are Detroit, the Jets, home versus Miami, and the Bears. But you never know. You never know what the season's gonna bring. Um, that could be that's gonna be a really fun game on Monday night. You you hope both these teams live up to the hype and not, you know, one of them, hopefully, definitely not the Bills, are way less than we expect, but that should be a really fun game. Um, so far we are two for two with picking primetime spots. We will see if we go three for three with your next pick. We are going to be going three for three here. Um, it, it was is very close, but I mentioned this two weeks ago on our last recording. 
um, the matchup I was looking forward to and probably the game I am most heavily considering going to in person is week eight, Sunday night football, Halloween weekend, hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I love Sunday night football. Let me put it this way. I know I just talked up Monday night football, but I will say I'm not overly thrilled with ESPN and how they've been doing a lot of sports lately. I will say uh, their hockey coverage has left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, So I'm curious to see how it works with Troy and Buck um, or Troy and Buck. That's a weird way to put it. Uh, you got the Joe names right, kind of. I got the names right. It's just a weird way to say it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out. I think it could only be better to be frank but i do i do enjoy monday night football but i think sunday night football is viewed by a lot i think as the crown jewel let's say of the football weekend i think sunday night football kind of has that stature to it where it's like the matchups that are put in that slot especially once you start getting later in the year and they flex them into there of course but the the fixtures that get put there are kind of that matchup that the league and I think just fans in general view as, yeah, this is supposed to be that crown jewel. This is supposed to be the game of the week. This is the one you want to make sure you catch. So we're going to put it on Sunday night. And this game should absolutely live up to everything about it. This game, Rodgers and Allen, literally, as you brought up earlier, the only quarterback to outperform Allen probably in the past two seasons is Aaron Rodgers. That's why he won back-to-back league MVPs. Now, he did just lose his prize possession in Devonta Adams, but it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers made Jordy Nelson like a five-time pro bowler. I'll be honest, Jordy Nelson is nothing special. He made James Jones a legitimate starting wide receiver in the NFL. I think he'll be able to figure it out with a brand-new toy. So he's got Christian Watson. I'm That's... We, I think everyone knows listening to this knows how much we enjoy Christian Watson mm-hmm. and we what we think he can be. So it is definitely scary at this point. I mean, this is week eight. You're two months into the season. Maybe Christian Watson, like a light switch flicked, you know, a week or two prior to that. And he's figured it out with Rodgers and they start getting that timing going. That could be deadly. So, but at the same time as a general NFL fan, if I pull myself out of my Bills, you know, hat here, that is the matchup I want to watch all year. I I know there's Mahomes, Allen. I just talked about Burrow, Allen. You brought up uh, the Rams versus you know the Bills, which is a very exciting one. I, you know, Stafford, Allen, whatever. We've you know, and I'm sure another game will be brought up here. Rogers, Allen. I don't think you can write up a better quarterback matchup. I really don't. I mean, that is like your. Quarterback 1A versus quarterback 1B. I mean, it is like, holy shit, here we go. There, I, I want to watch that in person. I'm, I'm so happy it's on Sunday night because it really does give me the thought and potential chance of like, hey, I might want to buy tickets to that game and go, and then I won't really have to miss much football on top of it. Like, I, I was so happy to see that was Sunday night. I'm so happy to see that the league understood we need to make sure this matchup that hasn't been able to happen often, actually pretty much ever because we had rookie year, Allen, and now this. Um, We need to make sure that the entire world sees this matchup because it is going to be fireworks. I expect this game to be like 35-32 bills. Like, I expect this game to be just like, it's it's going to be 
absolutely nail biting. There's no, at no point will I be comfortable because Aaron Rodgers is over there and it's going to go back and forth and it's going to be electric. I'm, I'm so, I'm very, very excited. So with my second pick and the third overall pick in this big three game, I have to take that beautiful week eight matchup on Sunday night football against the Packers. And realistically, it's probably the last time you'll see Allen against Rodgers. First time we saw it was his rookie year. Unless they do meet in the Super Bowl, you would need Rodgers to hang on. Well, you know what? Now that they've realigned interconference games, I guess there's a chance we could see it again here shortly whenever um, the AFC East matches up with the NFC North for that one-off game as long as the Bills and Packers finished in the same slot in the division. Uh, But also, we talked about earlier this episode – would you take four and two in the first six games? And we both said, yes, four and two doesn't look so good. If you lose to green Bay coming out of the bye and you're four and three, then all of a sudden you're sitting there halfway through the season, barely over 500 and you're supposed to be a super bowl contender and you're looking like a mediocre football team. So I think there's probably almost no chance that that green Bay game doesn't feel massive. I mean, if the bills come out and they're six and oh, and then they play Green Bay, then you're starting to think, are they going to go undefeated? I don't know if I'd think that, but you know, outside of the Bills being like five and one, and even then, if they're five and one, then they go to the bye week with the Packers game next. It's basically two weeks of just, I can't wait to see the Bills play again. And then if they're four and two or three and three, that Green Bay game is just like the ultimate desperation game where you have to win it. So you're right. There's almost no scenario outside of like, what happened last year in Kansas city where Aaron Rodgers gets COVID before the game starts. And it's Jordan love starting where this game just doesn't feel absolutely massive. And I think that's a great pick. Um, I am going to stop the trend of picking primetime games, even though there are still some very attractive ones left. Um, and I am going to go with the game that I've loved all along. I was hoping we get to see it on Thanksgiving night. But I'll settle for it in week four. I talked about it earlier, so I don't want to be too redundant. But give me Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. And please, football uniform gods, please, please give me the Ravens all black unis and give me the Bills all white unis. Our eyes deserve to see that scene with Josh Allen going toe to toe with Lamar Jackson. And maybe even more so football gods, give us a clear weather day, like 65 degrees in Baltimore just a slight breeze. Everybody in the stadium's comfortable. And let's just see these quarterbacks put on a show. Um, One thing I think about this schedule and the Ravens are included in this is when you look at teams, the bills could be competing with for that number one seed. You obviously look at the chiefs as the favorite in the AFC West, the Titans or the Colts are the favorite in the, in the um, AFC South, the bills play the Titans this year, but they play the Ravens. They play the Bengals. They play the chiefs. Those are three big hitting teams in the AFC and the bank and the Bengals. I mentioned them on the road. So for the bills to win these tiebreakers and get that number one seed to get the playoffs to come through Buffalo, they're going to have to do a lot of their damage on the road against these teams that look to be in their way. And it's going to start week four against Baltimore. And I just think that game is going to have massive implications. Both these teams should be in the playoffs And that game week four could decide where the Bills and Ravens play in the playoffs if they do meet a second time. And I'm just ready to see some more Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen games. We haven't gotten to see it as much as maybe we thought we would with both these guys being as excellent as they have. I want to get that rivalry fired up. 
I think all this talk about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and then people are looking at Justin Herbert. I think in a lot of ways, Lamar Jackson has become that forgotten guy in the AFC. And to your point earlier, I think a lot points to him just coming out and playing maybe his best year yet. And I'm excited for that. Obviously, I don't want that to be at the Bills' expense, but I feel confident with our team. Give me the Bills and Ravens week four, and that'll be my second pick. Yeah, I I, I had a sneaky suspicion that that was coming. I really did. Um, I will say, comment on your uniform thing. I think uh, not being on a night slot really hurts the all-black chances for Ravens. Yes, they just kind of seem to reserve that for that. I will say, if they wear all purple, I would be a big fan. I, I do like their all purple look. It's not the all black yet. Yeah, I get it, but something about their all purple too. Like when they don't mix, essentially when they go all white, all purple, all black, I think the Ravens look clean. I think they look real good. I think their, their lettering helps that too. You know, it's kind of like different. It's got a little bit of a, a swag to it a bit. I think it looks great. So yeah, if they did their all purple, I love their color rush personally, like mm-hmm. the, the purple with that gold lettering. I thought that looked great. They're one of the good ones. Um, what a wild matchup it would be if they went like with their color rush and we went with our red color rush. That would be weird, but it'd be awesome. It obviously will not happen, by the way, on one o'clock game week four. But um, yeah, that's that's a shame that it probably won't be all blacks. Please do give it to us if the Ravens would be so nice and inclined. Um, yeah, it's a great pick though. Yeah, it's it's definitely the. I think you brought it up. It kickstarts those massive like conference implication games. Like the Titans, you could kind of say that, but I think the Titans kind of fall off, especially with the Colts being a serious problem this year, you would think. Um, So yeah, the Ravens are kind of the one. Week four, that's the one where you go, okay, yeah, we're starting the stretch here where, you know, this is the games that really matter for our conference. So great pick. I'm excited to hear what you got for the next one. Your final one, I should say. I think I'm going to surprise you because I think there's one game out there that people are just like, well, when is this game going to get picked? And it's not going to get picked by me. And I will explain my reasoning afterward. We'll see if Luca picks it. And if not, I'll explain why I didn't want to pick it. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of left field here. And I'm going to pick the week three matchup against the Miami Dolphins. And oh. that is mainly because of where it falls on the schedule. I think week three is the perfect time to play the Dolphins, particularly in Miami. This is a team that traded for Tyreek Hill, and this is a team that believes in their young quarterback, Tua, and they hired a coach from San Francisco, Mike McDaniel, who has everybody really excited, and they've had all offseason to build their hype up, and if they didn't play the Bills until like week 11 or 12, well, maybe by then they're five and six and reality is set in like, hey, we're not that good of a team anymore. That offseason hype was for nothing. Week three, you are smack in the middle of that early season hype. And I love, love, love the spot the Bills are in to just go into their building just like they did last year, smack them right in the face and remind them who their daddy is. And I love everything about that spot. And I don't think it'll be easy. I know the Bills dominated them last year, 35 to nothing. That was a lot because Tua got hurt, Brissett came in and he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But when you look at this Dolphins schedule, okay, they open up against New England. That's probably a coin flip game. Then they go at Baltimore, home game against the Bills at Cincinnati. So if the Bills can take care of business week three, you could realistically see a situation where the Dolphins start the season off 
one and three are even zero and four. So let's humble them early. Let's get them realizing that this is not their year early. And let's do what I think we did last year in week number two against Miami when we won 35 to nothing. It was just, okay, that's cute. You had a nice offseason. Maybe you'll sneak in as a wild card, but let's not forget whose division this is. I love everything about it. I love that it's in Miami because there's no excuses of, oh, we, we lost a close game to you in Buffalo. No, no, no. This is your house. Early season. Hopefully all your guys are healthy. Let's get your best shot. And I think the Bills are going to do what the Bills do to the Dolphins, and they're going to dominate them. Needs to happen, obviously. But I think everything about where that game is on the schedule, it just it just works for me. And that's why it's my third pick. Excellent pick. You actually, it was like you're reading my notes. I, I had that one written down. I had nice extensive notes on there. I was like, I, I, I'll put out. This is one where I feel like I look forward to because we just come down from the honeymoon experience, right? You know, you played the Rams season opener, your Monday night opener to home opener, I should say, week two. And now it's like, all right, let's get back to business. And what better way to get back to business than have Daddy Allen give uh, Miami a good old spanking and a big dose of reality, we'll call it, and just be like, hey, as you put it, and I even had those matchups as, as well. You start out with the Patriots at home and then at the Ravens. If they go 0-2 there, all of a sudden that game feels like a must win to them. And Allen, the Allen-led Bills, I should say, average margin of victory, I believe, over the Dolphins in his tenure is just over 19 points per game. Yeah. Just smack them. Just kick their ass. Make them 0-3 if that's how that works out, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm going to guess that... uh, Times will be a little different in Miami very quick if that happened. I think uh, that Tua, if anyone out there still likes Tua as a fan, I've, God bless you. you I really want to know why you watch football because you're not watching it, right? And two, um, yeah, that's going to be gone. You're no longer going to be thinking that. And Reek is probably, I mean, he'll be counting his money and just be hitting up the clubs for the you know remaining parts of the season. But that that whole romance affair will be gone real quick. I love the pick. I, I honestly gave you a sigh like a damn. You probably took the one I was going to take at three. So <laughs> commend you on it. That's a very, very good pick. Strong pick. And um, you know, the, the one thing I'll say is if the Bills happen to lose that game, which I think is within the realm of possibilities, it's it's the National Football League. They're, they're an average to maybe slightly above average team. It's early enough that you can kind of roll your eyes at it. Think of the the Fitz game against New England where the Bills won what I believe was also week three. And for us, it felt like the biggest game of the year. And then the season ended up playing out longer. And you're like, okay, that game was kind of fluky. So to me, it sets up as a, the upside is we remind them who daddy is. The downside is you lose a game to Miami. That kind of sucks, but we know how the season's going to go, how this long race is going to end. And by the time that they show up in Orchard Park on December 18th, it's going to be, hey, congrats on that big win in September against us. But now you're sitting there under 500 and we're getting ready to go to the playoffs. So thanks for that. Yeah, well said. All right. So I know where you were getting at in your lead before then. I will probably surprise some and also say that is not where I am going. Um, I am not going with a primetime game either in this point. Not a nationally televised game. I just got to put that out there. Sorry, Detroit. You're not on this list. Um, I am actually going to go with a game that 
it's another kind of overlooked, and it seems like I'm giving Ohio a bit of a shout out here, but week 11, November 20th, just another one o'clock game at home against the Cleveland Browns. And I, I put a massive asterisk next to this. I, I also want to preface that because we still don't know what the Deshaun Watson situation is. We do not know what kind of suspension he's going to uh, take. So let's go under the assumption of something like a six to eight game suspension. I will go with six just for the case of that's what I wrote in my notes as an example. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's a very intriguing game. That's one that, I mean, the Browns, the Browns are the Browns, right? And they have put themselves into massive kind of news attention when it comes to the quarterback position. And yet at this point in the season, let's say Deshaun Watson has a six game suspension. That means at this point, when he comes into town week 11, he has been back with the team for a month. So you can kind of go into the assumption of like, that's when he would probably finally have gotten, you know, going here. Right? So, now you have Deshaun Watson and a Cleveland Browns team, which on paper is still a very good team. Yes, they they were probably the most disappointing team last year in the NFL. Um, and they still went eight and nine, I believe. Yeah, eight and nine. Sounds right. Um, you know, and they were very close. Kansas City week one, I want to say last year, they just lost that. And then again, the year before, they just barely lost in Kansas City in the playoffs. They're still a very good team. Um, now it's led, remember, by their backfield, Chubb and Hunt. What is the one thing that the Bills had a problem with last year? And I'm very intrigued to see how they address this. It is defending the run game in a power run game in a very, very good run game. Yes, you have the Titans week two, so we're probably going to see a good and, and also the Rams do like to run as much as they like to flash around with Stafford and passing game and stuff. That is all built with a great zone running game. Let me just preface that. So weeks one and two, we will be facing run first teams. But and then Ravens, of course, but I think the Browns one kind of it, we should be a well-oiled machine by then. This is week 11 here. Those other games were all early in the season. This is week 11. We should have figured everything out. And then Chubb and Hunt come to town with Deshaun Watson. Amari Cooper is a new tool. You know, you have that defense that should be very, very good. Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney came back. Uh, the secondary is getting more experience. They're actually a younger secondary. They're getting more experience. They are figuring out the NFL now. And they are fast. Um. This is a scary game that I think kind of has been forgotten about only because no one knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson, so no one wants to talk about it. I, I, I have no other explanation for that. I think this is a big, big, big game, and it's the first time I feel like we've had a Cleveland game in Buffalo in a while. I feel like a lot of the last few Cleveland games have always been in Cleveland. Um, so this is a great moment for this team after having a couple weeks where – I don't want to call them soft games because Minnesota is not a soft, soft team. I mean, they're still a respectable NFL team. The Jets should be better than they were last year, you would hope, with Zach Wilson having another year. But you're coming off a couple of weeks against the Jets and the Vikings where you should win. You know, and, and the Minnesota game is at home, too. So hopefully you definitely win that game. Win all your home games. Let's preface that. So now you have this Cleveland game. And that could be a game that 
you want to win and feel good than going into a short weekend to Detroit where you're probably not game planning a lot because let's be honest, this is the NFL on any any given Sunday or Thursday you can lose, but this team should not be losing to the Lions. So you're putting a lot into that Cleveland game. If you lose that game to Cleveland, I really do think that brings up a lot of questions. I think losing to Cleveland would be very, very interesting. And that's a very interesting point in the season where it's kind of in the middle and you're not sure, depending on how things went earlier, you're not sure how to feel about your team. Because as I keep saying, at that point, you should be a well-oiled machine. You should have figured out what you are. You should figure out what you are best at and what you do and then how to correct or you know, disguise your mistakes, let's call it. So with all that in mind, on top of it all, and the cherry on top is Deshaun Watson's going to be sitting over there and it's going to kind of be like Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be comfortable with that. Now that all said, I still in the back of my head also remember that the last time Deshaun Watson was on a football field, his team went like four and 12 or whatever it was for the Texans before he then got an entire year off. So I'm still not completely sold that he's worth the money he got paid because of basically what I am imagining of his last game against the Bills. But that's going to be a tough game. It's a very overlooked game. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game as well, as long as Deshaun Watson is the Deshaun Watson he should be. Um, and for that reason, and that reason among the rest, my last pick in this draft is that Week 11 matchup at home against Cleveland at 1 p.m. On a November 20th. I like that pick because I think you bring up a lot of good points about Cleveland. I, when you look at their roster and you just kind of take quarterback out of it last year, it was a roster that people really all around the league thought was as good as any other roster in the league. And conventional wisdom was Baker Mayfield holding them back. Now, how much of that was his injury? How much of that is just him just plateauing as a professional football player? But even when Case Keenum, who's now the Bills backup, came in, there wasn't that drop off that you would expect from franchise quarterback to middle of the road backup. Um, so that led a lot of questions to what would this Browns team look like if they could just get an elite quarterback? Now, look, the Deshaun Watson thing, what he's being accused of is disgusting. None of us know, you know how true it is, but we can only go off the accusations. If you just are willing to set all of that aside, which is all we can do at this point in time and just talk about it through the lens of a football player. Um, he has been at times in his career, excellent. And I don't know what happened in Houston, his last year there. I admittedly, like I watch the league like everybody else does, but when a team like the Texans starts having a really bad year, you kind of stop paying attention to them. You look at the box scores and the stats, but it's not like you're going to sit there and be like, Oh, the, the Texans and Jaguars are playing and they're both three and 10. Let's turn this game on and not watch Bill's Ravens. So you know, I couldn't really tell you if it was more um, organizational or if it was more function of the quarterback. My guess is the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Obviously, Houston is not some well-run organization at this point. That's obvious now by what's been going on with their team, some of the moves they've made. Um, but I also tend to think that it's hard to envision a scenario where a roster is so bad that an elite quarterback only wins four games. We've seen it with Matt Ryan before, whether or not he's elite, that's up to you. So it's possible. I, I think the fascination of what Deshaun Watson is, is beyond fascinating. And when you start looking at what that team could be, if he's great, they are a problem. 
And I like what you're thinking of that game because it, to me, it has a lot of parallels maybe to the Colts game last year or the Eagles game in 2019, maybe even more so the Eagles game where you're just looking at this stack of games here and you're like, man, there's like seven games here that I think the bills are going to win. And, you know, maybe if they're going to have a hiccup, you could see it against Cleveland. This is similar to when like the Eagles came to town in 2019 and the Eagles just, you know, beat the bills by, I think two touchdowns. Um, Similar thing. I could see us being in a scenario where, okay, the bills are five and two. They've just beaten the Packers. And we're like, man, their next few games are the jets, the the Vikings, the Browns. Then they go to Thanksgiving for Detroit. Like they're going to win. They're going to rattle off four more wins before they go to new England. And then they play the jets in Miami and Chicago. Like we're going to win eight games. And it's like, well, it's tough to win eight games in a row in the NFL. What, what's a game here? We could see them losing. We'll probably be like, well, maybe new England, but no, it seems like Josh Allen owns Belichick. And then we'll get to that Cleveland game like, well, you know, talent for talent, Cleveland probably has as good of a roster as the Bills, maybe even more high-end talent. And we'll know by then what Deshaun, Deshaun Watson looks like. So I like that pick a lot. So, Luca, we have to get into it. Neither one of us picked the Kansas City game. I think a lot of people listening might even be saying that should be the first game on the list. It's a team that's eliminated the Bills the last two years. I totally understand any fan that's like, hey, I want the Chiefs. I want to see the Bills beat the Chiefs. I feel that. I get that. I live in the Midwest. I'm around a bunch of Chiefs fans. It's even more personal to me than if it was just like the Titans the Bills were losing to because it's it's in my neck of the woods. But I'm telling you, Luca, the more I think about that game, I just get annoyed. Like, for one, no matter what happens in that game outside of the Bills winning and me just being happy that they won, it's not going to mean much in the grand scheme because I saw the Bills winning Kansas City last year handily in the regular season and then come playoff time, it didn't matter. And the other thing is like, I'm just having, I'm already mad at what I think the networks are going to do with this game. It's going to be the same exact thing they do anytime that the Bills are lining up for a game winning field goal. They're going to show a highlight of Scott Norwood missing a kick. And then it's going to, or anytime that the Bills kicker misses a kick to the right, they're like, oh, the Bills miss wide right. Anytime there's like a timeout on the field, like picture this, okay, Patrick Mahomes is second quarter and he lines up to call a play and he's like, I don't like this. I'm going to call timeout, but there's 13 seconds left on the play clock. Tony Romo, oh, Jim, 13 seconds. Oh, it's a good sign for the Chiefs. Like I, I, I don't want any part of that, any part of it. It's, it's just, I'm already nauseated. I just want to get past that game, win the game, please bills, but let's just get past it. I want to see them in the playoffs, get my get blood on the hands then as far as like getting the Chiefs in their season. There's nothing the Bills could do to them on October 16th outside of just win a game and move on. And to me, that game is going to be way more of an annoyance than any kind of a, an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly exactly what you said. Um, I, I also just I think there's going to be something different about the Chiefs this year. I think. It, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm very I will be watching the Chiefs very closely those first 2-3 weeks. I'm very interested to see how they look. This is the first time we are seeing Mahomes with the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill. And I think that cannot be understated. Like that is very very different. That that's a big weapon that is no longer there that realistically just popped the top off of anyone and created massive, massive problems that opened up all the rest of their offense. Like there, there's no sugarcoating it. I mean, Tyreek Hill single-handedly opened up 
everything else for their offense. So how are they going to produce and create the offense that they are going to essentially have reduced on themselves by trading Tyreek Hill? I am fascinated by that. I, I, I might honestly watch them as if I was a fan, essentially, because that's how closely I'm going to be paying attention to what the hell they're doing. Because, so I shouldn't even say because. With that in mind, I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. I'm just going to say it now. I do not think it's going to be that good of a game. You have Patrick Mahomes, you always have a chance to win. I, I just don't see them being as consistently efficient on offense without a Tyreek Hill. And it's not like, yeah, I don't even know who they have. The I know they drafted like Sky Moore and stuff, right. but obviously Sky Moore isn't, you know, Tyreek Hill and and Deontay Robinson and all them. They're not Tyreek Hill. Like they have tried to utilize those guys. Mecole Hardman, they you're not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is a one of one in it by a, by a long way. So I there's a world and there's a vision in me that I see this game. It's still a very, very good game. And as you put it, like we've already seen what happens if you beat the mighty chiefs in the regular season. And it, you know, it didn't mean shit come the playoffs. So with that plus, I just don't think the chiefs will be the same. You mentioned earlier when we were talking about schedule that they are probably viewed as the AFC West favorite. I don't believe that to be true. Um, I don't think they're the favorite in my mind. I have, if you want to do a paper favorite, I do the chargers. If you want a heart favorite, I think it's Denver. If you want my betting favorite, I think it's the Raiders. I think it's Raiders are the best money to bet. I think it's like, it's crazy. I think they're still like plus 400 to win the division. You're that high on the Raiders. I, the Raiders are sneaky. Good, man. Like they signed Chandler Jones. They, they trade for Devonta Adams. Devonta Adams has a very good history with Derek mm-hmm. Carr. I, I, I mean, it's there. Obviously, um, I think John, Jonathan Jacobs is nothing special, but I think the Raiders use him in a perfect way that they can get a lot out of him most of the time, as long as he stays healthy. I think he's an efficient enough running back to get a worthy enough running game to be concerned about. I guess is the way to put it. And then Devonta Adams is just going to open up a whole world for that offense. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what that means though for Waller, but obviously it can only mean great things. I mean, third and Renfro is still there. I mean, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby on the edges. Yeah. That is a serious problem for that entire division. Um, they have their question marks in the secondary, but when you have bookend edge rushers, I think you'll be able to sky bookend edge rushers as capable as they have. I think you'll be able to disguise a lot more of their inefficiencies in the secondary. They are, I put money on them. I, I'll be, uh, I'll just put it out there. I put money on them to win the division just because of how good their odds were. I don't think that, you know, I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're going to walk away with the division. How could you have them at plus 400 or whatever it is? But based on the odds they were given, I could easily see that happening. I mean, the division could beat itself up and then they just somehow win it on a tiebreaker. Like that could definitely happen in that division. So, to bring it all the way back to the Chiefs. I just think there's going to be a little bit of a fall off on the Chiefs. So with that in mind, on top of as everything you just put about it, I just that is not a top six game to me. It just isn't. I just it's almost gotten a little stale 
if you want to be cheap about it and take the low hanging fruit in that regard, like the chiefs bills thing has gotten a little stale. I mean, when it's that week, I know you and I will be just talking about it nonstop and it's going to be everything about that matchup that it's been and what it will be going into that game. But up until then, I honestly will not be giving it much thought. I mean, the Rams games come in, then the Titans game, then, I mean, I'll kind of be paying attention to the dolphins because it'll be funny to watch Tua throw ducks, but we'll be looking at the Ravens game and then we'll be, you know, thinking about Mitch Trubisky coming back to Buffalo. I mean, it'll be like, yeah, I won't care about that game until probably the week of maybe the week before because the Steelers are not that great. I mean, they're average to above average. They're the Steelers. They're still a good team and they're well, well coached with Mike Tomlin. So they're nothing to sneeze at there. But yeah, I just I don't care that much about that game. It's just it's gotten stale. It's it is what it is. I'm, I'm with you on it. I think it I think everything you said is good. And on top of it, I think I even value them as a team a little bit less than everyone else. I just don't see them. I let me let me say I they could be an eleven win team at best. Ugh. Crazy to say, but I I think this might be. A, I'm not going to say that this is like a full downturn for the Chiefs. This could just be like one of those off years because they're trying to figure out how to rework things. Let me let me put it that way. That's kind of where I think this will be. Like this is they they kind of had that luxury of Tyreek Hill where they got away with a lot. And now it's like, all right, now you just lost your kind of cheat code. So what are you going to do about it? What Tyreek Hill did was he opened up everything else. And, you know, they have some field stretchers. They, they signed Valdez Scantley and they drafted Sky Moore. Like you said, they've been developing Miko Hardman, but none of those guys are Tyreek Hill. They still obviously have Travis Kelsey and they have Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think at this point in time in his <laughs> career is pretty much just an average player in the league who caught a lot of balls from Roethlisberger's rookie year. Um, but that Tyreek Hill dimension was just such a scary thing for defenses because you had to play deep safety over top of him, and that opened up the middle of the field for Kelsey. And he and Mahomes had that scramble drill just like you see with Allen and Diggs. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey obviously have it too, maybe even better. But that's going to be a tough thing for them to replace. I believe in Mahomes. But one thing I did while you were talking about the Chiefs was I pulled up their schedule. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it or not. My I have God. So week one, you'll be watching them because they play at Arizona against your Cardinals. Unfortunately, DeAndre Hopkins won't be there. Imagine a world where the early season Cardinals, who usually play better, beat the Chiefs. So the Chiefs start off 0-1, okay? I, I Tyler Murray is a first eight-week MVP every year. I would so. take that. So let's say that let's say somehow the Cardinals come out and they beat the Chiefs. Chiefs are 0-1. Oh, no big deal. The Chiefs will figure it. Excuse me. The Chiefs will figure it out. Their next six games. Home against the Chargers, at the Colts, at the Bucks, home against the Raiders, home against the Bills, at the 49ers. Oh my goodness. Like if you think the Bills start off with a tough schedule, I think the Chiefs have an even harder one. Chiefs could actually be like more than a game under 500 there. Yeah. I mean, they could easily win all, all of those games, any of those games, oh, but like yeah. at the bucks, at the Colts home against the chargers who, you know, are just not scared of them whatsoever. Um, the Raiders who you just talked about the bills at the, at the Niners. And it's not like in the second half, it lets up a whole lot. They have a bye week. Then they go home against Tennessee and home against Jacksonville. Then at the chargers, Versus the Rams 
at the Bengals, at the Broncos. Like this, this is See, what are like, we doing? This is, what I, this is what I'm talking about with that division, though. Yeah. It's just like the NFC West last year. And, and obviously Seattle didn't work out. Like Seattle definitely was not the team that people expected last year. But they were still competitive. And the NFC West was just beating the shit out of each other. And every week it was either you were playing, you basically had a 50-50 shot of playing a good team or a bad team in another division, or you were playing a division game. And those were all very, very tough games in the NFC West last year. And it still kind of is this year. It's fallen off just a touch because you have like Trey Lance potentially starting in, on the Niners and Seattle could be like a top five pick this upcoming draft. So it's not the same, but the AFC West is even better than the NFC West of last year. I mean, it is absolutely loaded. The AFC West this year is the SEC conference to college football. It's, it's not even close. I mean, the worst team viewed by most is those Raiders that I said are probably a great bet to make on the books to win the division. That's how crazy good that division is. It could, I, I know it sounds ridiculous to say the Raiders could win the division. I know it does, but it is totally possible when you look at their roster. It is totally possible because what if the Chiefs, Chiefs, um, Broncos, and Chargers all split versus each other? They all split. And then the Raiders just win one of those extra divisional games. They now have the tiebreaker on those three teams. Hey, sign me up for a world where the Raiders are great and McDaniels is looked at as the guy that got away in New England and New England stinks. <laughs> it it it's it's I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I'm so the person that actually got me thinking about this is, and I'll, 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 I'll honestly say it, it's Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen has been kind of beating this drum softly. And I've been like, at the first time I heard him say it, I'm like, that's ridiculous. And then I like started pondering it. Then I looked it over. Then I'm looking at the roster. Then I'm thinking about the division. And I'm like, you know what? This is not crazy. It is not crazy to think that. And I really believe that that might actually happen. I told this to Nino, by the way, and Nino thought I should be fucking checked into a psychiatric ward. I don't like think he, I don't think it's crazy. I think my problem is with the Raiders is we talked about the same thing. What team are we talking about by looking under the hood earlier? Oh, it was the Rams. And yeah, I yeah. think the Raiders are one of those teams where you you kind of look under the hood and you're like, you know, they do have a good old line and they do have some good pieces on defense. And what they've essentially done this offseason is turn Zay Jones into uh, Devontae Adams, and they turn Cleveland Farrell into Chandler Jones. So now they have maybe the best wide receiver in football. They have maybe the best pass rushing duo in football. They have, oh, and they turned John Gruden into Josh McDaniels, which who knows? Like John Gruden's a Super Bowl winning coach. It feels like the game kind of passed him by recently. And McDaniels gets a lot of credit for a guy. Um, who did somewhat fail as an offensive, as a head coach last time he was head coach in Denver. Um, but some of the prevailing thought around him was the reason it failed is because he tried to run the entire show like Belichick did and made some really questionable roster moves. And maybe if he just stays in that silo of being a head coach, he'll really be in his comfort zone and max out his ability. And I think, I think there's some validity to what you're saying, because even if you want to say that Derek Carr is the fourth best quarterback in that division, he's still probably a top 12, 13, 14 quarterback in the NFL. 
I'm not convinced he's the fourth best quarterback in that division. I I'm kind of in like, I need to see Russell Wilson look elite again before I assume he's elite again, but that division is going to be fun. Where do you stand on the Broncos? So if I could give you one of two options, one Russell Wilson's great and the Broncos are really good or two Russell Wilson looks like he's washed. Which option would you choose? And it seems like, Oh, we'd well, rather have an easier path in the AFC. Keep in mind this is a team that has a chance to put one or two losses on the chiefs during the regular season or whatever. And you know, the, the harder the AFC West is the better chance the bills get the one seed. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, if you had that choice, what would you choose? So if you pay if anyone listening, paid attention, I said, according to paper, the chargers are the favorite to win. I would think. And then according to my heart, Denver, I think wins the division. And I say that because I think I'll, I'll, I'll just end, end your question with the first. I think he's going to bounce back. I think Denver's going to be very good. Um, this is the first time that my draft gem, probably one of my first draft gems, like one of those ones. So Russell Wilson at NC State was a guy I loved watching. And then he had that, you know, he did the senior or what you call it, uh, grad transfer year at, uh, Wisconsin had a great year, won the Rose Bowl with Wisconsin and then fell to the fourth round, right? Uh, for Seattle. And I was so bummed out when Seattle picked him because I was like, why do, why do these teams that I hate have to draft players that I love? And like, and that was what I felt. And then of course, Russell Wilson has gone on to have all this success in Seattle and it's at the expense of a lot of my fandom and I hated it. So Finally, he is off on a team. Now, it could be at the expense of my fandom, but I don't hate the Broncos. I do not hate the Broncos by any means. I, it, Broncos are a fun team that if the Bills were irrelevant and then, like, say the Cardinals were irrelevant, I would have no problems watching them go to the heights that they can. The only issue is the Cardinals and the Bills seem to be, and Bills most importantly, seem to be in a window where championships are on the horizon here. So, fuck that. But, um, I do think Russell Wilson bounces back. I think he is still a Hall of Fame quarterback that is worthy of starting. I think he is still a top 10 quarterback in this league. There's just something magical, of course, about Russell Wilson that I expect him to still succeed. So I know we're kind of really off on Bill's talk here and Bill's chat and everything about that. But um, I think I bet the Raiders, I expect the Chargers to win the division. But I really hope the Broncos win the division. That's how I'll answer your question. Which means at the end of the day, it'll be those nasty-ass Chiefs. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That'll be a fun division to watch from the outside. So to recap our big three game, I went with, man, I got to almost go back and remember now. I went with the Rams opener. I went with the Ravens week four game and then the Dolphins week three game. Luca went with the Packers game. The, no, that was your second pick, right? That was my second one. Oh, Bengals Bang. Monday night, week 17. Mm-hmm. Then I went Packers week eight, Sunday night, and then wrapped it up with week 11, one o'clock home to the Browns. And then we decided to leave off the Chiefs and also the Titans game, which nothing against the Titans. I, uh, the Bills obviously have lost to the Titans the last two years, and that's going to be a fun game. Um, but I just feel like, you know, that game coming off of the season opener. I'm just not as excited about like I will be that week for sure. But just looking at the schedule now, 
I'm just more excited about other games than that first Titans game. All right, Luca. Well, it was nice to get back and record an episode this week. We will be back next week with another edition of Bill's Chat. And we have some topics we're going to get through this summer. At some point in time, we're going to be looking at all these teams on our schedule and get in-depth previews of them. Um, We'll have some more information coming out from Bill's OTAs. And we got much more to get into. And we hope you'll be here as we get into it. So for Luca, this is Josh. And we will see you next week on Bill's Chat, a pro football podcast. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Bills Chat, a pro football podcast. Follow us on Twitter if you're not already, at Bills Chat Pod. And also be sure to subscribe to this channel on whatever platform it is you choose to spend your time listening to us every week. Look forward to talking to you all again next time.